Minnesota streaming? Uh, you know what? I'm having a, I'm having a beer. It's a little skunky, but I'm gonna have oh. a beer. I just had dinner. I'm gonna have a beer. I and, need you uh, at, in top form. I don't know. Oh, you really? Uh, Are you? I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. You should be nice to me this week. Why is that? Um, I think you should alternate weeks that you're really mean to me. <laughs> You're a father. You understand how this works. You have to. You have to punish. Punish with the left hand, and then cuddle with the right. But there's this thing next to an eggplant in the notes that says consistency. Oh, did you notice that? Yeah, and then and then, and then a note from you that says, "I forget what this is about." You wrote it. Yeah, I know. Well, what I did was just. I just figured you just haven't seen this yet. I went in. I had emojis. Um, so it would. Communicate. It's pronounced emoji. Emoji. Yeah, I put a uh, consistency. You get an eggplant. Drugs, they add that creepy hypodermic. Are you seeing these? Are you still on Yosemite? You're not on Yosemite at home, right? No, I, I see the. You're... I gave you uh, a Caucasian thumbs up for recommendations. That's the Simpsons thumbs up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I gave you a bloody hypodermic for drugs, blue jeans for clothing, scary face for movies, and a cute little car for cars and driving. Yeah, but the key point is that you, the, the topic that you put as the most interested, you were asking me today, how do, how do I express my interest? Put it near the top, make it bold. The one that you are the most interested in is the one that you entered, and you said you don't know what it's about, but you're definitely interested. How can you be interested in it if you don't know what it's about? I'm a very interesting guy. I mean, I can be. I got my, got my days. Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of things I type in here. I'm, I'm performing, John. This is for me. I, you know, I do a monthly uh, performance with Scott Simpson. I know, and uh, I saw it once. You did. You saw a hole in my pants. That's right. Uh, and then uh, every uh, Thursday after, he he uh, sends me a note with everything we talked about, so I can remember. And what do you do with that information? I laugh and laugh because it's funny to see all the things you talked about. One has talked about in a list out of context. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you didn't appreciate the. Uh the PlayStation 4 box that the three-ring binder came in that one time I saw you guys do it. Didn't appreciate it enough? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you don't... Where do you, PS4 boxes don't grow on trees. Someone had to buy a PS4, a beloved PS4, used for Destiny, uh, low this many nights. Oh. And it only comes with one box. And that box was sacrificed to this arts and crafts project. And it's yeah. not like there are more boxes. You know what? You're right. You're right. See, this is one of those cultural differences. You know? Yeah, it's an offering from my people to yours. <laughs> Hakuna Matata. Yeah. So I'm open. I'm open on anything. I don't know what this cons- consistency thing is about, but I'm game to talk about it if you want to. Well, if you don't know what it's about, I don't know what it's about. That's not going to be a fruitful topic of conversation. Any follow-up? You would ask me if I uh, watch any movies or anything? Uh, not unless the answer is uh, exciting. Just same old, same old. Like we just have a, a moratorium on asking about the game, unless the answer is yes. I finished watching it. That wouldn't be fun. Well, it's a fun movie if you watch it. That's what I'm saying. I love the first half. Mm-hmm. I got I got right up to the point where they're in like the parking garage and the lights mm-hmm. go off. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's it's a kind of a thriller. Yeah, yeah. It's hard it's to a, tell. Uh, I don't. I don't know. It's everything. like a page turner without pages. Mm. Did you read The Martian? No. Okay. Did you see, did you go to the movie? No. Okay. Um, I will though. I will see it when it comes out of video. I mean, it's it's one of those movies. It definitely is one of those movies that I would have gone to see in a theater if my life was different. You know, I I feel like such a tool when I say that to people, but like it's anyway, nobody cares. But it's really hard to get out to the movies. 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on people's situation. For some people, it's easier. You have family close by. You have a babysitter that you really like. Like, but if you don't have those things, and getting out seems like a Herculean effort, you have to you have to choose your battle. So I'm I'm going to Star Wars for sure. Right, right. Three, I think you're you're seeing it three times. Is that right? You're seeing it you see it three times. Yeah, I don't know if I'll regret that. We'll see. No, no. Well, you know, it's it's. I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week, and I don't want to appear to be coming down on a side here, except I do have a certain. Is it the dark side? Is that the side? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Reaching out with my feelings. Uh, there's an article on the local um, dog trainer website, SFGate, about uh, how to dine out in San Francisco with your children without annoying everyone. And <laughs> I'm sure that is your biggest concern. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, it's one of those, um, you know, moths to a flame kind of topics where the comments are just like, you can imagine what people in San Francisco are going to write as comments on a, on something like that. Um, just, uh, just there's so much somewhat understandable hatred. It's not even the kids. It's the bad parenting. And it's like, oh, God, I can't tell you how much wonderful free advice I've gotten from people who think about parenting a couple times a month. It's, it's been it's super. Bad. It's been, no, that's the funny part, though, is like, is like what an expert these people whose parents bothered to raise them Mm-hmm. pieces of crap they grow up they become uh you know uh, happy enough single people in in uh, a metropolitan environment and man they they do not need much prompting to tell you what you're doing wrong and of it's all like the things that i that i foolishly did in my youth uh, of which there are many things that i thought that i look back on that were silly or whatever i don't ever recall thinking like specifically related to parenting the things that you're describing the people who don't have kids think about parents and they don't know you know they're not experienced but they think like i thought that about lots of other things that eventually i came to learn were not the way i, I thought they were going to be but parenting i don't know maybe it just never entered my mind at all but it just it seems alien to me to not be a parent and yet devote so much mental energy to telling people how they should be parents it's like it's like me telling somebody who, oh, I got to think of a prayer, like telling, telling a doctor how they should be doctors. Like it doesn't enter my mind to offer advice in that, in that realm because it's like I go to the doctor and they do their thing and I'm not, I don't know. Not, it's, maybe it's a bad Well, the, the thought that I keep to myself because, well, I want, I want to stipulate, like I totally understand. I have been horribly annoyed by kids and their parents. It's, it's re- it can be really annoying if you're on a plane and that's your time to have some quiet time and watch a movie. You don't want a little kid running around or screaming, you know. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't turn into parenting focus because you're just as annoyed if someone is snoring really loudly in the other oh, the room next to you in a hotel. No, it's not, there's it's a not special there's a special kind of hatred that I I don't respect, but I understand uh, for for why people hate the child and hate the parent. I don't respect it, but I do understand it. It's just that, it, you know, it, for me, I'll, d- just to be dead honest, it's kind of like when I was 11 or 12 and was first really uh, coming into my own as feeling like I was a really, really smart, like a little bit, you know, ahead of his age in terms of intelligence kid. And I thought I knew everything about how to fix the world um, when, of course, I had absolutely no actual idea how the world worked. I didn't have a job. I didn't have to do anything. So, you know, it's in the same way that, like, you would meet let's say you had friends your age in your 20s who did have kids and you just, you know, you want to just take them aside and just say, you know what, let me just say, you know, it's a re- I know it's really, it's a lot of responsibility and it's really hard to be a parent, but you know, you should just, you should just chill out. You know, you should just, it'd be better for everybody if you, if you just relax. That kind of thing. Where you're like, oh my God, chill out. Oh my God, that's such a good idea. I, I never would have occurred to me to chill out. 
my God, thank you so much. You are you are so wise beyond your twenty two ness. And it's I like don't know. outsiders don't bother me as much as I, the insiders, the people who are parents and happen to be blessed with very well behaved, very advanced, like good children that don't exhibit any behaviors that require uh, large skills, because those people think they are the best parents in the entire world. And you know what? Maybe they are. But no, they usually they usually got lucky from, from the perspective from the, from the outside. It's like you're you're so willing to attribute all their success to like those kids just must be perfect because they have lots of advice and they're coming from a position of knowledge like look i've raised 97 children and all of them are perfect and they're valedictorians and they're road scholars and they volunteer on the weekend and they're 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 on seven sports teams and uh, they're you know like everything about them is perfect and let me tell you how you should raise your kids if you're if your defense against parenting advice is based on the lack of knowledge of the people giving it, that is not a strong position. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I know. What do you do in the face of that? Then you can say, well, uh, you may be a much better parent than I am. Maybe your kids are easier to parent than mine. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's neither. But like none of that changes sort of the reality on the ground is like you got the kids you've got and you got to do the best you can do yeah. with those kids. And that's all there is to it. No, I mean, I, I, it's not. I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm particularly defensive about it. It's mostly an eye rolling thing for me, um, but it's, it's more like, hmm, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just the parents can be the worst. If you know, if you think about the people you know that you would consider in your life, the people who, whom you've met, who you would say you consider to be the best parents, because not just because of their firsthand reports from the field you know, or their Christmas newsletter, because you've seen them in action. And you've seen not just that their kid is easier, hard or whatever, but that the way that they handle it is, is very um, sophisticated and smart and wise and patient and all of those things. The folks who I've seen who are the, the, what I would consider to be from, even from, you know, a small remove, the best parents rarely give other people unsolicited advice because like what you're describing, you realize that like it is such an impossibly complicated thistle. Um, I mean, what are you going to give people advice about? Like you said, your kid is the way it is, you know? And like, it's, yeah, there's really, there's really not that much good advice that, that one can give. And also, you know, it's funny because like maybe people like you, especially people like Dr. Drang, as, as, as I got, uh, as my kid got older and I, you know, learned the job a little bit more, you know, I came to appreciate the whole like, oh yeah, just wait, just wait. <laughs> because, you know, just because you've survived the first 14 weeks doesn't mean that you're going to be great at it or that it's always going to be what you think it is. That's the thing. It's like as soon as you think you understand what it is, you're, that's when you're really falling behind. Yeah, I think the whole parenting is like, like so many things where uh, crippling self-doubt and, uh, and uh, failure are like... It, for people who for whom that is a, an important or a major part of their life, they see parenting as an impossibility, uh, and so it, like there's never any. You always see that you always see how things could be worse, and as your child changes and you grow and situation changes, you always look back on the previous situation and think how little you had to deal with. You know what I mean? Like how simple things were or whatever, um, and you'd see that as a continuum and see that it just never ends. Whereas some people, uh, like, you know, they'll saying it's really easy to be a bad parent. Like if you just don't care and you just basically, if you parent optimizing for your own happiness as the parent, that is a parenting style. Um, that, that is a parenting style that was uh, increasingly popular uh, as you go back in time mm -hmm. where 
it's you can parent and optimizing for that metric and the metric is how much are the adults annoyed uh, and secondarily metric you can say like the, the secondary effect of that is you're you making your children independent don't bother mommy and daddy learn how to raise yourself uh you're going to be strong independent children um and anything you're doing that is annoying the adults stop it and comply with all requests immediately uh otherwise there'll be severe punishment uh you know that that is a way to parent and you can parent children that way in the same way you can train a dog that way and it is super effective as they say but you don't get that reference um <laughs> and i don't no and that's but that like that has kind of fallen out of favor as as time has gone on but people who still parent that way have children who outwardly appear to be quote unquote better children as as measured by how well they comply with commands and how independent they are and everything like that um and they believe they are you know it's it's a really easy way to say you know of course i'm a good parent look how good my kid is if i give a command they immediately obey uh and we're all here with this crippling self-doubt like but what if they you know what what about their their independence and their thinking and their self-esteem and their whatever and we're all worried that like we would never try to do that to our children. But it's like, what What if I'm just trying to make myself happy? And what, you know, so we're like, we're on the whole opposite end of the spectrum. So we're constantly thinking, or I'll speak for myself, constantly thinking that we're total failures as parents. But on the other hand, we're also thinking, I would never want to parent that way either. So you're just, it's hopeless. Like, it's just like there is no, there is no correct answer. Nope. Because we're like, we don't want to do it that way because we either see what that's like or we experienced it or whatever. And we think that's wrong for us anyway. Right. But on the other hand, we look enviously at the results of these compliant children who don't bother their adults, and the, you know what I mean. But but on the other other hand, we're like, nobody would want to do that to my children. My child is a special snowflake, and I have to. It's just, it's just like, it, it's like it, I don't, I don't know. It it can seem bleak, and every time it seems bleak to me, I think of exactly how much worse it could be, and I'm like, you know what? Everything is perfect here. Practically, relatively speaking, everything is perfect in my parenting life, right? And on yeah. the other hand, it's <laughs> it's uh, an impossibility to ever do a good job. Yeah, yeah. Um... One thing I like about my kids' school, or one thing that I like and that makes it really interesting, is it's it's, a, it's fairly diverse. But one of the things is it's a school, not a magnet school, but it's a school whose focus is on kids with any variety of like emotional issues. It's kind of like it's it's their, their, that's their focus is is that this is where they try and as to the extent possible, the greatest extent possible, like mainstream kids that you wouldn't want to have like go off to the brown reading group you know and it's super interesting like there's at at least three kids in my daughter's class of 22 or whatever who have um you know from day to day you know mm, you know minor manageable to pretty extreme um emotional stuff and so they've got like paraprofessionals there's like three like internish people who kind of are, are helping manage that inside the class to keep it manageable but it's super interesting that it's happening and it's really interesting to watch and like when we go on a field trip like it's it's really it's really incredible and I'll tell you man I learn so much from watching how the paraprofessionals work you know you might say a teacher's aide but they're you know there's they're a specialist there's somebody who's training to like you know do this as a full-time thing I think is how it works I feel like, man, I, I realize like what a lazy ass father I am when I watch how incredibly patient and consistent they are with these kids. 
and, and not condescending, but patient and consistent. Like, got to keep reminding, you know, and this, there's, there's this, you know, uh, kind of shades into stuff like spectrum stuff and the sensory, there's that sensory input, you know, thing that happens. But, you know, they're great kids, but, you know, one of the kids is pretty far down the right side of the spectrum. And it's a lot of like, no, you, you like don't walk on the wall, like that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's, uh, it's very, hum- it's very hum- honestly, very humbling and educational to me because I realize, oh my God, first of all, I can't begin to tell you how easy I've got it. And like, I'm grateful for that, but I also like, I try to learn something every time from that. Like, you know what I mean though? Patient and consistent. You can be consistent, uh, as a jerkwad, but it's hard, it's hard to be patient, kind, and consistent. <laughs> That's what it takes, like, no matter how tired you are, like, try to always be patient, kind, and consistent. And that's really hard to do over 80% of the time, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know, like, I don't, those are professionals, right? That's their job. They go home at the end of the day. Who knows if they have their own kids? But they don't lose their patient. They're like, they're they're tracking notes all day. Cause you know, I know it's like, what I tell myself is that the reason they appear superhuman is because like, that's what they do for a living. Like they (laughs) They get to go home and be single. (laughs) Even if they go home and they have seven kids who all have even worse problems. Like, uh, I, you know, some people just, you know, have the patience of a saint and are, are cut out for this. Um, and genetically speaking, you know, they're more likely to have kids that are also like that. But maybe they adopt or maybe they take and foster kids or whatever. Some people, this is just what they're good. It's a talent like any other talent, like, you know, uh, the archery or uh, writing or whatever. Like, and this is a talent they have and it's good that they're pursuing a profession where they can use that talent. And I look at it the same way. It's like, boy, that Michael Jordan sure can dunk. Um, and I try to take tips for like how I might dunk from the foul line, but you know, it's like, boy, uh, my, my mind goes in the other direction in terms of, I don't know. I think the big, the, like I said, I'm always looking out at like how things were simpler in the past. And then I can look forward and say how much worse things would be if this other complication happened. That's when well, that simplicity, that? that simplicity was not equally distributed in a yeah. good way. What do you call it? Catastrophizing? Yeah. 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 I do that a lot too. But, uh, the looking back, very frequently now, I think I would have this licked if if there weren't two children here, <laughs> you know, and yeah. so if there was just one, I can get the one figured out and you're outnumber them with the adults. If you have two adults in the house and you can you can sort of structure your life and schedule and and the ebb and flow of the two adults and everything around this one child. And you can seem like you can kind of get a system that kind of works and you can move with it. You throw the second one in there, it just messes everything up because if I, one I is up, I the other is down. I can't imagine. I honestly they can't imagine. Hate each how other's you do it. guts and they you know I don't know if you did you have siblings? No, no, but also don't they get louder when you've got two? Well, it's just the, the constant fighting and the evil and the jealousy and the like just all I mean, I had siblings, I know what's going on with all those things. It's like is there anything I can do to make them not feel like their entire life is destroyed by this other person being here? Because I felt all I was the middle child, so I had the up and the down. I understand all the stuff they're going through, and it's just you cannot it's it's so much harder to figure this out because it's like it's like in a video game where you figure out the one enemy and then they throw in a different variety and then they're both at the same time. You're like, But I am just one ship. How can I battle how can I battle these <laughs> it just God like, because if you just get, if one is okay, and then the other one, it's like, are we ever going to get them both, you know, okay at the same time? Do we have to, you can't keep them separate? Like, if you live in separate houses, that does, that's not healthy either. You have to have them together. And and what if you have three or four or five or six or seven? And what if you only have one parent there? Like, it can be so much worse. And so this game, yeah, it's like parenting is just one big long kill screen. 
Another reference you know, <laughs> might not get. That's when you get to the end and you smash Donkey Kong and all the letters get messed up, right? Yeah, and probably you know, I'm sure it just gets worse. Once these kids become teenagers, it's like then I'm going to be looking back. Boy, remember before they hit puberty, how easy everything was. It's just, oh God, it's uh, you know, I know, but like, but the whole thing is like because we care about these things and are thinking about them and are overthinking about them probably or are neurotic about them or whatever this is our lot in life with everything that we do if we're, if we're neurotic about how we have our uh, you know how our media setup is around our television and how we get television shows we're sure it's not going to be neurotic about how we raise our kids too uh-huh. uh, sometimes i just envy people who uh have, are, are more well adjusted as they say in the parlance yeah i always have room for improvement but it's hard, you know, but that's the thing. And this is honestly an internal struggle. I, I, I don't want to make it an outward turning thing where I'm like, you know, going oh to my friends. But like, you know, uh, I think I eventually got to the point where people just stopped inviting us to stuff because it was just so much like, oh, I can't like school night, you know, can't do that. And it's like, but, you know, if you've never <clears throat> I mean, like if you've got a job. And I don't mean to, I'm not I'm not trying to say anybody's problems are, are harder or easier than anybody else's. But, you know. If you've got a like a if you got a job and like a pretty secure place to live, like you can still pretty much go out to eat and see a movie when you want. And I, I sound like Dan, Dan Benjamin at this point, but like you know that's the that's the part that just kind of sucks. Where it's like it's really it's really hard to have like an up to date relationship like with your spouse. Like that there is not time for that. There's not time for that. There's not space for that. Like you know, I guess maybe if you've got a nanny or if you've got like grandparents who live down the block. But, like, I, I don't mean to co- complain about it, but I do wish I could see more movies. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of what it comes to. That's part of the whole, like, the multiple variables thing. If you think, oh, you know, in the beginning especially, it's like you two parents on the one baby and you're concentrating on doing it right. You think you got it figured out. And you're like, oh, wait a second. There's the relationship between the parents we have to maintain, too. Like, after that, at the same time, it's like you feel like you're being asked to spin plates. Oh, it's totally plate spinning. And, and that that's always, almost always going to take a back seat, which is, which is hard. You know, and and catastrophizing is the way that I deal with this. Like you think, isn't catastrophizing <laughs> terrible, or whatever? Because all you have to do is think of how much worse everything could be. Like, it, and it just makes immediately makes you feel better. Like, it doesn't make me feel bad about feeling bad. What it does is it actually makes me feel better. It's like it takes three seconds in thinking of like at least all my kids are healthy. Boom, done. I feel better. That's oh, it. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. everything, everything else just you know fades away, and the ability to catastrophize about it that briefly. Uh, you have to have a healthy reaction because what it can what it can often do is make it some for some people makes them feel like oh, I'm such a big dummy head for being ungrateful blah 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 right uh, but no what it makes me do is be grateful uh, and then it puts everything else in perspective right so you need that as the flip side of the hopelessness of like there's nothing I can do to fix this humans are inscrutable and I have multiple ones bouncing around my house and I'm somehow responsible for how they develop and it's an <laughs> impossible task uh and on the other hand it's like the house is not burned down everybody is alive nobody has been dismembered uh you know every there no one has any terminal diseases as far as we know things are looking up yeah yeah so no still any- it, it would be nice to go to more movies you have to admit yeah i mean well for me like i'm i would go to a lot less movies than you i'm sure because you know i don't like to go anywhere but for oh, yeah. for things like the martian bringing it all back around that's one I would definitely go to the theater for. Uh, I, took, I took my kid. I took my kid, and she made it for uh, about an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, which is longer I than I, longer than I expected. I can't bring my kids. I know. To I know. Like I knew that. it was bad. I, I prepped her for it. We had we. we it, was, it was a surgery scene, right? 
Oh my God! When he was stapling himself, I don't don't ruin it for me. I just heard this. It's a little bit of gore. That it's you know, a little it's a little bit of gore. But I mean, it's so amazing. Like um, I went and I was looking at something I just discovered via the Apple TV's updated stuff on the Apple uh, on the um, movies you bought from the iTunes Store. Is the Common Sense Media? Um, have you seen? Did you notice that the Common Sense Media reviews? Is that the one that tells you in detail all the specific things that are in the movie? You know, like <laughs> kids. What? Kids in Mind is the funny one. Kids in uh, Mind oh, is the one uh, that's uh, like the Big Lebowski is not a good movie for kids. Yeah, the, the tip of a pinky finger is briefly removed from the pinky finger and then reattached. Yeah, and I mean it's almost pornographic. It's really funny. Kids in Mind is funny, but um, Common Sense Media, like they're they're uh, I, I like their reviews. Their their iOS apps kind of a, a mess, but I like their reviews because they go into more. They, they give it a star rating. Like a like you know a five sided star rating, based on how good a movie it is. But then a five sided star, a Pentagon. You know, like a star star. All right, all right. No, no, I just mean a cannot like a, like an according to Hoyle. Like here's a review. This movie gets you know three, four, five stars based okay, on how right. how good of an actual movie it is. But then they break it out into these like six or eight sections. It's like uh, so how much violence, how much sex, uh, how much bad language, how much consumerism, uh, how many are there good role models. Um, is there like, are there good lessons to this? And it's, it's, it's pretty sane, but then it also has a section that's like, here's what parents should know about this movie. And it's written in a very approachable way. It's because parents should know that the Martian is a thrilling ride with and all this stuff. And so, but I went and I looked at the review. It drove me crazy because I've really, really, really been wanting to see this movie. See, you're just looking for the answer that you want, which is yes, totally take your eight year old to this movie. It will be fine. Like that's what you're, you're just desperate for it's someone the to internet tell you that. phenomenon called it's not cancer. I just, <laughs> I just want, it's not cancer, right? But uh, it was amazing because it's so rare, even on a lot of movies, like even on Kiki, you get a few, a few stars or a few you know, dots for like good message, good role models. This thing had like all the dots for like all the good stuff. It had absolute minimum of the bad stuff. There's like one or two stars for violence. I mean, certainly less than an X-Men movie that we would watch. Um, but like the cursing, you know, there's a lot of F word. There's a lot of S word. And there, it's in a very funny, memorable impressionable way so i balanced that we had the talk again about inside words <laughs> <clears throat> well and this is my feeling my feeling is like i don't want first of all i i try to completely avoid the phrase bad words because i don't think there are any bad words words are just words so we we you know we try to talk about in terms of like these are the kinds of words i want her to know these words so that when she hears them you know there's all kinds of stuff in the thing in the world that we this is a a dumb i, I, pro- I don't go. think you have to worry about educating her on that Oh, no, believe me, she knows. Um, she and her friends have, as one this year, discovered the words. They are mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's also a fair amount of Santa talk. That's making me a little uncomfortable. But, yeah. yeah. Well, you you know, that's that that comes... Every kid is different, and that... I'm that ready for it. I'm, to, I'm totally ready way. for it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I just... Well, well, but, like, the common sense media thing, though, getting back to that. Yeah. Um. Other than like the whole idea that you're looking for it to to have an excuse to go to see a movie you want to see, like, do you actually find those services? Like, do, do, would you seek them out for other reasons? Like, you're actually what you're actually looking for is not a movie for you, but a movie for your daughter, and you think movie X might be that movie, so you check the common sense media to see if you're right. Please remember, this is the week you have to be nice to me. So, I, I first of all, I take your I take your jab, and yes, no, no it's not not jab. Like, I I have the same instinct. Well, because what I want is you know me. Uh, I've talked about this before. Like, there's certain kinds of things that are off the table. I want to make sure that the stuff that is just off the table is not going to be in this. 
And then I have to just kind of decide, because I really did want to see this, and I thought it would be really good to take her to, because, like, there's all kinds of good stuff about, like, how, like, you know, math is cool. Like, you know, it's, it's, there's a yeah. lot of really cool math in this movie, and I, I think that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, Matt Damon's dreamy. So, yeah, there was definitely a part of, like, is this going to be okay? Can I forgive myself for doing this? But, uh, no, the way I do it is, and I do go to Kids in Mind, because it is very, very thorough. Uh, <laughs> appallingly thorough. Um, but I guess, you know, you know me, like I, I don't want, I don't want over, over at sexual stuff. I definitely do not want the threat of sexual violence and I want an absolute minimum of personal, like one-on-one person to person violence. So those are the kinds of things, um, some comic book movies I'll let fly on that, but like that, that's what's stopping me from the hunger games. Is like yeah. I cannot wait for her to see the Hunger Games. I wish we could take out like just how brutal some of that stuff is, because the story is so good and the movie is so good. But there's, you know, like I'll show her like little bits of the Dark Knight because I'm like, honey, I cannot wait to so see the Dark Knight. You're gonna love this movie. So I show her the opening with the Joker, and she's like, f- like screaming to see the rest of the movie. I'm like, we really can't. Like we can't watch the rest <laughs> of this. Isn't that awful? What an awful thing to yeah. do. Yeah, it, it's a, the sites that you're consulting. There's like just so many reasons that I'm that I don't go down those same roads. You already know some of the reasons. One of them, uh, which uh, should be obvious if you think about it, is the mere prospect of having to leave a movie in the movie theater halfway through because my kid can't handle it. I I would rather just not go. Like that, yeah. I would never. That sounds I, like you. That sounds like you. You're right. So because I want to watch the whole movie, and if there's any doubt that my kid is going to make it through this movie, we're not going to that movie. Yeah, but what are you going to? What are you going to go to? You go to Hotel Transylvania too. Well, so the second thing, the second thing, which may be less obvious, is although I'm sure these sites perform a service and you find them valuable, I for me, I would never read one of those things for two reasons. One, it might spoil the movie for me, All and right, I'm very yeah. spoiler sensitive, and two. No matter what I read on one of those sites, I would I have to, I have to see the movie myself first before I know whether it's appropriate for each of my individual children to see it. Like I need to actually see the whole movie. There's nothing right. you can write in there unless it's a text I, version of the entire I, movie. You know, what I, I mean? hear your words and I understand your thoughts, but like now, and you know what you're describing here, which is oh great. So now I need to go out and see The Martian twice when I can't even get out to see it once. Right. Well, no, or just wait for it to be on video. All right. Yeah. You know, and like, and that's why so they much. They haven't announced of this, a date. They still haven't announced a date. That's why so much of the media I present to my children for consumption are things that I've already seen myself in the past that I that are known quantities, right? And I know when it's time to introduce them, or I, 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 I trial balloon them, or whatever. Like I, I don't think I've traumatized my children at all. Maybe my daughter a little bit because she is just wants to see everything and is super brave and is not the type of person to uh, run out of a theater. Uh, but and so maybe she saw things a little bit before she should but i think she's mostly okay but yeah i have to see it myself because i have to like there's nothing they can write there's no there's no yardstick i i know it by this point which things my kids can and can't handle and there's no way to really describe them there's no amount of violence or type of violence or amount of this but it's just i really just have to see the movie and then i have to just think about it and they don't know about i don't they, they seem to not know or care about like release dates or anything so it's not as if they are sad because they don't get to see the first run movie that's out now a little bit with star wars my son knows that's coming but he doesn't even know the release date he's such a casual um <laughs> well no i mean and, and yeah, well kid, what a poser but that, i mean part of <laughs> right, it was yeah. very much like i really want to see this movie and like i really really want and i could tell like so i've been reading the book i've been listening to the uh, audible 
Um, and I, I could tell that this was going to be like right up my alley. So it was like all I could do. And then, you know, my wife and I were going to be out of town soon and we're planning, trying to find someplace. Again, it's the stupid goddamn ballet of like, will it be? Sh- so right now it came out October 2nd. Uh, when we're out of town in a few weeks, like who knows, will it still be available? The place that we're going to be when we're out of town, will they have the movie? Well, probably not. I understand business is business, but you know, that drives me a little bit bananas. Um, yeah, I sent you the link to uh, to the review on uh, Common Sense. Com- it gets the Common Sense Great for Families seal. This is the, the most, ex- getting back to parenting and media combined here, the most exciting thing in, uh, in a new-ish parent's life is the new, like when you're a kid, like Christmas and Easter and the holidays are exciting and summer vacation is exciting. And when maybe when you're a single person, those things are still kind of exciting and you have your own cool things to look forward to when you're a parent. For me, the most exciting thing is when you have a day off work and your spouse has a day off work, but the kids are in school and it's not, it's not like a holiday. Like, you know, it's not any kind of holiday. It's not a regular call. It's just a day of the week Yep, that you both have. There's like a miracle. It's like, it, that is better than Christmas. <laughs> well, you know, my wife and I are resorting to that at this point. We're starting to plan hooky days. My wife, um well, frankly, killed it on a project in this last quarter. Like, she buried the needle. She's probably going to get a promotion. She did, did a fantastic job on this impossible project recently. You did some good podcasts, too. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I should get a cookie. But yeah. she, uh, she, did this, she did an amazing job. And so uh, they wrote her all these wonderful letters. And, like, I think she's really going places. I'm so proud of her. But also, they, like, <laughs> this is in a university. They gave her five vacation days out of nowhere. Like, hey, here's five vacation days to just use. Like, how cool is that? You know, that you don't, you don't get a lot of stuff like that when you're working at a university. And so, yeah, now we're going to try and plan some hooky days to, like, go and do stuff like eat a meal and go to a movie. God, it's pathetic. This is so pathetic. It's the best. Yeah, it is. It really is. Working from home, quote unquote. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Audible. You can learn more about Audible right now by visiting audible.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. I I certainly hope you've heard of Audible. My goodness, Audible has over 180,000 audio programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and much, much more. Audible is right now offering you a 30-day trial membership. That's for listeners of Reconcilable Differences. You just go to audible.com slash diffs and take a look at their fantastic catalog of audio programs. You can also grab their app if you want to listen on the go. Today, uh, I just want to suggest uh, a book that I love that I bought from Audible a couple weeks ago, and I am loving it, and that is the book called The Martian by Andy Weir. You have probably uh, heard about the movie. Maybe you've seen the movie with the handsome, handsome Matt Damon. you got to love it because it's so full of fun, nerdy, math, science, survivor stuff, and if you like the movie, you are going to love the book because if you like the way that he does math in the movie, there is so much fun math in this book. It is so great. It is a wonderful story, great narration. I like the narrator a lot. And you know what I do? I uh, have my, uh, my uh, Amazon Echo read it to me. Alexa, read me The Martian. Getting your book from Audible. Resuming The Martian. Huh? huh? Can't make that stuff up. Alexa, stop. Yeah. You can't make that stuff up, kids. I have a dingus that is reading me a book all through cyberspace, and it's, it's fantastic. You've got to check this out. Now, when you go to audible.com and get your 30-day trial membership, the good part is you can't, you're not going to just listen to The Martian. You have over 180,000 things to choose from. 
you, you can't go wrong with The Martian, but my goodness, so many different things. you got to go try this out. You go to audible.com slash diffs, D-I-F-F-S. That'll get you started with your 30-day free trial. Thank you so much to audible.com for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Anyway, got to see The Martian. Got to go see that. Yeah, I'll see it. I'm I'm planning my life around Star Wars now. I've actually, did you see the story about the speaking of terminal illnesses, the guy who had a terminal illness and he just wanted to see Episode Seven before he died, and so they showed it. They showed it to him early. I was trying not to have. Well, before what happened happened, I was trying not to have that break my heart, and then I saw the news today, and it was like, ugh. All right, I know this story is supposed to make me sad, but like, oh god, I'm so glad he got to see it though. Yeah, I mean, how no. many? It was like a couple days ago, right? No, but yeah, that's. He, I, I mean, he I saw think, he died like yesterday, right? Yeah, it was. I, you know, that's what's going to happen is going to happen. But I'm I'm excited that I'm those. That's a feel good story. And oh no, I, no, I, it, it absolutely is. It's just, uh, I, so I feel so bad. But it, it's I'm, like the, it's like the whole Make a Wish Foundation. It's like, how do you yeah. feel about Make a Wish? Like, well, on the one hand, it's terrible that these kids are dying. On the other hand, it's great that they get their wish. On the other other hand, they're still dying. And who the hell cares if they got to Disney World? On the other <laughs> other other hand, <laughs> they're happy. Right, and it's just you keep going around in circles chasing your own tail about, what, am I supposed to what, feel terrible about this or happy about this? What must it be this? like to be you? My God. How well, do you stand you know, it? Those are all the different angles in that. Anyway. I know, I know. Right, so here's here's like the, 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 the tertiary angle is that I remember having this thought before episode one came out, and I admit that I had it before episode seven. It's like, what if I die before episode one comes out? This is before <laughs> I knew people. I had that thought frequently. Frequently, once I knew that there was going to be an episode one, it's like, it's conceivable that I could be hit by a car. And I will never see episode one, and that that bums me out, right? I had that thought about episode seven. I'm like, I have my tickets for episode seven, but it seems so far away, and I could die in a freak accident before You know, then. it's important for your kids and your legacy, stay safe, stay healthy, but, you know, Star Wars. Yeah, no, it's important, like I said on, on The Hobbit Show, like, what is the next milestone on the calendar, right? What is the next thing? And just Star Wars is just looming out there, like, as the next thing. Everything between me and that is, like... Just stay alive, no matter what occurs. I will find you. You know, like that's <laughs> that's right. And on the other hand, and I have that thought. I'm like, that's so stupid. What are you even talking about? Like, so you have that thought right after it, right? These are the things that are just bouncing around in my head. The the lunacy of putting any kind of importance on seeing a movie, and then on the other hand, this guy who wanted to see it as his dying wish, and then you feeling happy and sad that he got his dying so wish. Are you envious? And- are you a little envious? No, I don't. I wouldn't have seen an early cut. I want the finished one. I, all the shots, all the shots need to be finished. Todd, get to work. <laughs> oh man, I love Todd. Poor Todd. Todd, you know, I think he, you know, the VFX guys, they get a, they get a bad rap. You know, let me just say one thing. You talked about, you talked about this on the Incomparable, uh, the wonderful epic prequel episodes of the Incomparable. But you know, I, I think it's, it's easy to. Uh, n- not feel sympathy or to roll your eyes about how people ended up feeling about the prequels. But I can, I feel like I can so clearly, you know, but at the time I was, you know, I was, you know, busy with life and stuff. I was not super involved with Star Wars, but I just, I can remember when, after they announced that there was going to be a new Star Wars movie, it's difficult to describe how exciting that idea was for people. It was like discovering that grandpa was not only alive, but he was healthy. You know, do you remember this? I remember this was band. He was actually getting younger and all he wanted to do was come over and play. He just wanted to play catch. And I, but I remember like even there was a band, uh, I liked it at the time called ultimate fake book. 
and they had this they wrote a song about George Lucas um, and then just about how excited they were that there was a Star Wars movie coming. And so, like, you know, I, I'm not asking people to feel any kind of sympathy or understanding, but, like, to understand why that movie was so tough on Star Wars fans, it helps to understand that, you know, there's probably no way that movie ever could have been, well, it could have been better for sure. But, like, it, it, was, it was just so difficult for people who had been waiting for years and had been saying, like, oh, my God, I wonder if my kids will ever see a new Star Wars movie. I mean, don't you think that's part of what made it such a letdown? Oh, certainly. I mean, it's it's entirely people of a certain age. And we are, even though we are separated by many years, we are of that certain age that, you know, this was our formative experience. As we've discussed many times, it's back when the formative experiences of young people were more singular because there was less media and there was less, it was less fragmented. Every, Star Wars was childhood religion, more popular than any actual religion in the United States, guaranteed for people who are similar age to us right now. And then there was that gap, which, realistically speaking, wasn't that long of a gap between Jedi and Episode One. But in the gap based on the rel- the time, the relative experience of time, you know, like when you're a kid, time stretches forever and ever and ever, and then it starts to accelerate as you get older. We were in that window where it seemed like, especially for me because I was younger, it seemed like from the time of Jedi until like the time of the first hints of episode one it seemed like the longest period in my entire life like the the wandering in the wilderness of like there will never be any more star wars it's like waiting for i've talked about this before travel we talked about this you know it's one thing to know know that your flight is going to be delayed 45 minutes two hours three days right if you know that well then you can go on with your life it's just that in that case you know there was not an estimate on that it was kind of a done deal. I don't remember there being like constant buzz, even at the time. Well, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, from our childhood times, there's, there's going to be nine episodes. There's a lava pit I remember involved, hearing there were right? going to be nine, yeah. And the, and the Darth Vader, and there's a lava pit. And like, we heard that, and then it's like, after Jedi, well, it's like, well, you know, I guess they're never going to make those other movies, so we'll just, you know, never mind. Oh, well, Star Wars is great. We like it, right? And then to be told, like, no, actually, it's like, like getting back to Santa, it's like being told, no, actually, Santa is real. Let me tell you, and he's coming. He's been, he's been here the whole time. Right. You didn't, you know, and it's just, it seemed like so long. It seemed like we'd been waiting our entire life for that only because of, especially for me, only because of the age I was at that time, that same span of time between Jedi and episode one, I feel like I could do now in my sleep, literally like, you know, it's no problem. The kids will be off to college before I even know it. Right. Cause things speed up as you get older. Um, but yeah, so that, that, that weight of expectation, uh, and how important star Wars was to certain people, uh, uh, and how, how it was such an important thing during to them during formative years, and uh, such a singular thing. So you know there were so few other pillars in their life. We didn't have the internet, man. Like nope. there was a lot, lot less clouding our mind. I got spent a lot of time thinking about Star Wars, and then to have it just land like a little turd like that, and then just to have just the the, the punches after that of like you know as i talked about in the episode two thing in episode two i was like I, I was willing to forgive i'm like well maybe you get a bum movie but you, you know we can re- regroup this three of these things let's have a comeback and then after episode two i was like nope that's it two out of three no matter what happens in the last one that's it it's over i feel like the most moving <laughs> the most moving story from that uh incomparable episode was dan morin <laughs> didn't he see it three times within 24 hours after it came out yeah, I saw it many times uh, after it came out as well. Like that's you know, like, that's what like I'm thinking convinced, about. Like this is this has got to be great, right? 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 Yeah, I mean he was younger, so he had less of a radar on that. I'd, I I don't think the like I said, even after episode one, I, the real anger didn't set in until episode two blew it too. Because I was like, look, everyone everyone's got an off day. 
You know what I mean? Yep, yep, it, yep, It's yep. like you haven't made movies in a long time. Was episode two I Hate Sand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, and this episode two is supposed to be darker, and you can give episode one a pass, like as we recently discussed, and you know, on the, the, the prequel things, at the end of the prequels, Jason uh, Snell made us pick what we think is the best prequel. And we had to come down, like, I mean, it's, you know, you had to come down in episode one. It's not, not that we like it or anything. It's just, boy, I don't know. Uh, well, maybe we're just getting angry. You, wait, 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 you think episode one is the best of those three? That's what was the consensus. It's uh. difficult to pick. It's like, what, which, what's the best, you know, thing that you'd like to eat here? And it's just like three differently shaped turds, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think three, uh, three is a no brainer. Mm, no. I think three is the closest to like this, this turned out close to the way he not not to say the way he expected but like i think three is a very successful in some ways a successful vision of not a great movie but like i hear well you, i don't know if you know my thesis on this my my theory is that the problem is that what he pulled off with three like the the opening shots which i think are pretty gorgeous when they're flying through space they're doing the attack nah the, you know the dialogue's stupid and everything but it looks really great the the booming the drums the music is really really great i think the problem is that he sees how 3 turned out in terms of the effects and that's what he wanted the other ones to look like and that's the problem is like the going back and the like combing back over everything is that he wants everything to look the way the 3 looked Mm, that, like you, you should listen to the episode three thing because I think we covered this. But my my whole I did de- I did my whole deal with episode three is like at that point you you failed to build your characters into people we care about. Um, no, you and- you made a great you made a great point. I mean, your whole overarching point, if I remember correctly, was that he did, what he didn't succeed at was making this interesting story about Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, it's, it's just it's basic competent filmmaking. Like that's what it comes down to. And the reason three gets things so badly is not so much because in isolation it's a terrible movie, but just because it is the culmination of, like, you you haven't built anything up. You, like, it's not... There's there's, comp, there's filmmaking in it that is not up to the baseline level of competence, like a lot of the writing. And then you have the baggage of the two other movies that came before where you failed to make these into believable characters that we care about through mistakes in the previous movies. And pretty much no matter what you do with those pieces and those actors in this third movie, it's never going to be satisfying and it's yeah. never going to be a good movie. And so it just it just fizzles out in the end. Um, whereas episode one, there's a certain exuberance and wackiness too that even though it was super terrible... Like it just, I feel like they just, they just built, like they compounded each other's badness, right? So maybe, maybe if they were both taken, they're all taken out of continuity and put as isolated items, or you all, each group only saw one of these movies and had to judge them and knew nothing about Star Wars, maybe you're right that episode three would come out as the top. But for me personally, and for I think the rest of us in the panel, we were like, we have the the least animosity towards episode one, maybe. <laughs> and it's, it's still plenty of animosity, but it's less, slightly less than the other ones. It was. We didn't want to make that choice. It was a good, a good thing for Jason. That's a very grown up, very grown up thing to do. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> That's a very grown up thing to do to pick our least favorite Star Wars. Movie. No, but I, I don't want to bag on those movies. But like Episode Seven, it's a new day. I really like the new Star Trek episodes. Although apparently people who are much bigger Star Trek fans than I didn't like them. I, but I did like the what, new the Star mo- Trek the, movies. The, the two movies. Yeah, yeah. J.J. Uh, Abrams. You know the Star Trek, but the reboot thing and the. Yeah. You know, I, I I thought they were fun. Like I, they're you know, I'm not putting up on the same category as Star Wars because I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. But I thought they were really fun. And when I watch those now, like when they're on TV, I'm struck by how well the basic you know story beats uh, go in that. Like it is, 
kind of like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is a little bit more flabby or whatever, but it's like yeah, but he's yeah. A, he's he's assured. Like he's got he's got a confidence in execution that that you can see on the screen. And he's you know his, he wears his influences on his sleeve. I especially see the Spielberg in him, like the sort of optimistic, good natured, uncynical. Uh, just makes you kind of feel good, you know, our heroes in space kind of thing. Like that is definitely a uh, early to mid Spielberg thing that JJ has. And I feel it coming out. Like I watch the Star Trek movies and I smile and I don't think they're high art and I don't think they're as good as the good Star Wars movies, but uh, I I feel good about them. So that's why, you know, with this new Star Wars movie, it could be a total disaster, but for God help me, I'm, I'm optimistic again. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to see it several times. Even if the first time I watch it, I get that same episode one feeling. I'm still going to watch it several times just because, I mean, if only for the reason that a lot of my favorite actors from the original trilogy that are in this movie aren't going to be with us that long. And how many more chances are we ever going to have to see some of these characters uh, in these roles? So, yep, yep. You know, so three viewings in the first three days is not excessive as far as I'm concerned. Taking a day off work to see it is not excessive. No, not at all. Well, good for you. I'm glad you're doing that. Treat yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I'm seeing it by myself on, on like the, you know, they did the opening <laughs> night with like the midnight showing or whatever. I love well, you. I love by you myself, so not by myself, but like without my family, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the next day I'm seeing it with my wife and the next day all four of us are seeing it. That is so smart. Oh, so I, I will, like that. And like, and if it turns out there's something in it that I think my son or daughter can't handle, I don't think I'll be able to keep my son away at this point, but we can, you know, adjust plans as needed, and who knows? Hopefully, by the third time I'm seeing it, I, I'm, I don't hate it, and you know, but I'll still take the kids to see it. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Igloo, the intranet you'll actually like. You can learn more about Igloo right now by going to igloosoftware.com/diffs/diffs. With Igloo, you do not have to be stuck at your desk any longer to do your work. You can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving a client's site. You can access the latest version of a file from home. You can do all of this in your Mad Max jammies and nobody will know. These days, everything is mobile, so obviously your work should be mobile too. You ever checked in on your team's crusty old intranet site and thought, hey, the 1990s called. They want their crappy looking weird homemade CMS back. It's kind of a lame line, but I've certainly thought that. I've looked at intranet and thought, what's going on here? What time does friends come on? Guys, the days of janky hard-to-use intranets are over. Igloo allows you to make your intranet feel like a place you actually want to be. It is surprisingly configurable. You can even completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your own team. Thanks to group spaces, role-based access permissions, and an easy drag-and-drop widget editor, you can reorganize the whole platform to fit exactly how your teams work. With our mobile lives, people are increasingly bringing in outside apps into companies. Sensitive documents are getting scattered all across the global internet, different platforms, different places. This causes huge headaches, not if you use Igloo, because Igloo allows you to integrate services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox into one big, easy-to-secure platform. If, uh, like me, like if you're a technologist, you'll know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, Active Directory integrations, well, if you know that stuff, you're going to know just how safe and secure Igloo is. And if you're not well, now you've got some new words to use at a cocktail party. With Igloo, you can share your files and collaborate with coworkers. You can also track who has read items with read receipts. This can be super useful for making sure that critical information has been seen, keeps everybody on the same virtual global internet page. The 90s are over, man. Time to break away from an internet you hate and move to the one that you can love. 
Go and sign up for Igloo right now. You can try it for free. And for any team with up to 10 people, it's free to use for as long as you want. Sign up at igloosoftware.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. igloosoftware.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Igloo for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. What do you pick? Do you want the eggplant, the hypodermic needle, the Simpsons thumb, the pants, the face, the car? You pick. I, think I keep avoiding drugs because it seems too heavy, and I'm supposed to be nice to you. So You should be nice to me. This is the alternate week. Uh, I'm nice to you all the time. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's called tough love. Mm, super uh, tough. Yeah. Uh, is it because you expect a lot from me? Is it because you have high expectations? No, that's not it. Mm. Um, <laughs> I actually like... Uh, the one I keep being, yeah, the one I keep being drawn to is clothing. <laughs> I'm totally into it. Yeah, because I think yeah. this has this has uh, it is actually connected to past topics that we've talked about, and I don't know what why this occurred. To, I think it probably occurred to me as so many things in this show do. Listening to you on uh, Roderick on the line, you guys talk about clothing an awful lot. He talks about he talks about lot. clothing, yeah. And then you you also wear clothes, um, yeah, sometimes. yeah. Uh, so, sometimes not even you know when I need to. Yeah. I'll just have clothes on for no reason. No reason at all. Um, and listening to anybody talk about clothing, I catch that, you know, the, the glimpse, especially people who I think like, oh, those people are like me. Uh, we are similar in interest and background and age and whatever. And we uh, are interested in so many similar things. And yet there's this other thing they're interested in that I am not interested in. And they want to talk about it at length. And that's like you get a glimpse of how I, everything, I, everything I talk about looks like to people who are not interested in computers or science fiction. Well, yeah, because like I'm thinking you, me, and our pal Marco are three people I can think of who, on the face of it, have something kind of in common, which is that we have a uniform. I have less of a uniform than Marco. Marco has nailed it. I am just well. Anyway, I'll, I'll describe what I have. Whatever. But I go on, go on with your. your point. Oh no, no. I'm just. I'm just. What, what is your because, uniform? Uh, a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually with some kind of a long sleeve shirt over it, depending on the weather. Hmm. But um, it's yeah. I clothes to me are. It's so interesting though because with John you can tell that John thinks a lot about clothing and it's not in a vain way. It's mm. not in any of the obvious ways that he thinks about clothes. That's what's so interesting to me. Like the more you listen to, to John Roderick, the more you listen to him talk, like especially in the last few weeks or months of episodes, like I'm really realizing how much animism is in his life that I'd never really realized before. You know what I mean? He's oh, he's yeah. like he's like he's like watching Totoro. Like he really he thinks the trees are alive. Like I think I really believe that at this well, point. Well, here's here's not to get too much into psychoanalyzing John and get off topic here, but like he doesn't really believe that. But it is a useful it is a useful sort of mechanism for him to manage uh, his his like view of the world and her interaction with the world. Like he uh, when he says these things, or even like when he's. You know, animism. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a druid, but I do think. I don't think he's like worshiping a bush. Well, like e- even just for things that are not actual objects, with the animals, with you know the crows. I see you crow, right? Uh, or with with the clothing or anything. Like he's, you know, he's not. It, it is. It is a model. It is a way that that he uses to uh, 
to to cope with things to manage the world and it's it's a perfectly fine model if it works for him and he's if he's interested in it it's a, it, it's a hobby he's very interested in clothing and he's you know he's going to the thrift shops and he's excited to find things as exactly as legit as any other hobby you can possibly imagine and as far as hobby goes it's better than rvs right i mean so like it's it's you know Aww. it is it is less have you seen those rvs they're less really impactful cool. man oh man oh god i have so much to say about that episode we're not doing cars that's a different thing cars and driving we'll save the rv for that but but anyway for, for both of us leaving poor john out of this he's not here um the, the thing the connection that i made hearing you guys talk about clothing so many times besides the idea that like is get to hear someone else who's really interested in something that i'm not interested in and that's fascinating in a way yeah um was we talked about the late bloomer episode about uh opting out of uh romantic relationships because it seemed like something that wasn't going to happen and how that was a terrible idea right clothing is something i opted out of really early on and has more or less worked out for me like that i don't think it was a terrible idea and opting out of clothing is pretty weird for for most people because i think most people do care about what they wear and how they look uh but opting out on on clothes is one of the I think one of the I, I don't say one of the best things I ever did, but like I can't imagine it being any other way. So it's not like it was a choice really. Um, but I well, it was kind of was. It was like I'm not going to think about this because I'm not interested in it. And although it's very important to other people, uh, what they look like and how they wear and how they present themselves, um, I don't like. It's not important to me for whatever reason. Lots of other things are important to me, like which computer I use, and maybe, and even things like you would expect, like what music I listen to, or you know, uh, what television shows I like, and all the other things that everyone thinks. Right? You know, it's just the clothing is just not on that list for me. So very, very early on, I was like, well, I don't give a damn about clothing. I'm never going to look good. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to lose any sleep over trying to look good. I'm going to be okay with the fact that pretty much the rest of the world disagrees with me on this and will look down on me because of it and i will just accept that and say i accept your scorn <laughs> and and then i continue with my day you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like i'm not i don't feel i don't think that they're bad people for doing that it's the same way that i might feel scorn for somebody who doesn't care what television shows they watch i just turn on the television they watch whatever's on or whatever everyone has that it's, it's fine um but yeah i did that really early and i thought about it and i'm like I never revisited that. Now, maybe I would have to revisit that if I hadn't somehow managed to find someone to marry me uh, early in life, uh, because I think there's some minimum amount of caring about your clothing that you have to do well, yeah, to attract let me, someone else. Let me prod you a little bit here, because you say when you use a phrase like, um, I don't care about clothing, uh, I mean, there's let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, you, I'm guessing you would prefer to wear something that's more rather than less comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, what I'm saying opting out is I'm opting out of of like pursuing clothing as a means of personal expression. All I'm looking for is the baseline. What do, right, what's right. the minimum I have to do to be accepted in society? I I, I get. You know? I think I get what you're saying, but I, I do still think it's worth it's worth just calling out a couple of things because you know it's something I've thought about as well. So like you'd rather be more rather than less comfortable. I'm guessing you would like your clothes to be more rather than less affordable. Oh yeah, now that I can't, I, I can't stomach just, clothing just, prices. You know, just, I don't even just suffer me, suffer e- me. Even you, jeans, I can't. But handle. you would also, you would prefer to have clothes that require less rather than more care. Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably prefer to have clothes that telegraph less rather than more signification. 
I want to be insig. I want to not be noticed. You want to. Okay. All you're looking for is like I don't want someone looking at you and saying you're dressed like a clown, right? But I, right, right below that, until you don't notice anymore, that's it. That's okay. Perfect. So, so just so for what it's worth, I mean, I'm I'm giving you my bullets that I think are also probably kind of your bullets to the point where and you'll probably contradict me. But what I want, if I want to telegraph anything with my clothes, how do I? It's almost like they say like, oh, you know, if you're going into the gang neighborhood, don't wear red or blue. Because you don't want to be perceived as being pro, blood, or crip. Like, all, all I want my clothes to do is meet those four criteria and telegraph to the m- minimally viable extent possible. I am a non combatant. Don't count me. I, I don't want to be in the clothing race. Like yeah. I, I don't want to be so like I don't want to be so like so gross and uh, and cheap and comfortable that like I'm embarrassing to my family. But like I'm totally Came right okay. up to that line. Yeah, yeah. But I really I. But it's funny because like same thing with my haircut. Like I I want my haircut to telegraph. Let's not talk about my haircut. That's that's pretty much. I just I don't. There's parts of me that I am um, happy honored and tickled to have noticed by other people and there's other things i just do not want to talk about like i'm okay like you know whatever it's it's funny haha like i dress like a hobo that's hilarious let's keep going with that but like i uh i i don't want to even appear to be like i don't want to wear shoes that make you wonder what i was trying to pull off i just want to not be noticed for that you've had some vaguely interesting hair situations both facial and head hair yeah, in your past, I'm um, a good-looking but, but, guy. But other than that, I, I would say that yeah, like I don't, I don't, I haven't. You wear nicer clothes than I do, but that just may be a result of who's dressing you. You make you make a claim like that, and we're going to have to go go down to particulars. I wear Levi's five hundred ones every day, mm-hmm. and I wear some kind of a t shirt. Often, I own four, numeral four. I own four Fantastic Four shirts. So I liked it yeah. enough that I bought four of them. I wear a shirt with an Apple logo on it that my friend from Apple, uh, Hi Todd, uh, gave me in 2004. I have a handful of shirts. I've got three Hawkeye shirts that I wear. Uh, but basically, I've got 501s. I've got a T-shirt. Over that, I will wear, like in this case, I'm wearing like an American Apparel long sleeve uh, T-shirt. And then I will frequently wear a Pendleton shirt as a kind of jacket. What else do I wear? That's mainly what I wear every day. And then I got shoes. I got the shoe The reason options. I say that you uh, have slightly nicer clothes than me is, or a couple reasons. One, yeah, I wear jeans, you wear jeans, but your jeans look more fashionable. Is it because they have holes in them? I don't know. Because of my they, sweet, sweet ass. Right. And that, well, you know. Um, but really where the rubber meets the road, uh, literally, is the shoes. You wear huh. shoes that I would not wear because I would think they would be too uncomfortable. And, you know... Huh. I wear running shoes all the time because they're probably the most, saw the me most in a pair of Clarks. I don't know. See, that's the, the when you say Pendleton and Clark. I don't know the brands of shoes like uh, of anything. But you like, I, I've seen you in sneakers. But like, you're not uh, always in running. shoes. I'm not trying to obfuscate. Uh, so basically, Clarks. Do you remember a kind of shoe in the 70s and 80s called Chucka boots? No, they're I like don't... suede booties. Like a very low, like they're just a little higher up than a shoe. They're suede. They have like three, two or three holes for laces. That's that's all it is. So when you say Clark's, that's all that means. This is like what we used to call chucka boots when we were kids with like a crepe sole. Yeah, I just Google for them. But I would consider those nicer shoes than what I'm wearing. I'm wearing essentially what, what my wife would call gym shoes. Like ch- children's shoes, because they are old, or old people's shoes. You know, children's you, shoes. Children's shoes or shoes. I'm I'm challenging John right, Roderick here. Or shoes to people that old people wear when they walk in the mall because they don't want their feet to hurt. Oh, you're you, not you know the believe. shoes I'm talking about. Only yes. I don't wear the old person version. I you know I wear running shoes. It's a I, cross I do- between like somebody in in a convalescent home and a nurse. 
Right. No, I don't. But I don't wear the old person version. I wear the young person version. The young person version of those are I I wear, I wear Asics running shoes. Right. I I ran in high school, and I running shoes are great for walking in because they're great for striding in, and that's and they're you know they're Asics, squishy. And Asics are my running shoes. The, the pair of running shoes I have are Asics. And the, and those are my shoes. Like I have one set of dress shoes that I wear to weddings and funerals. And I have one set of not of non dress shoes that I wore to work when I briefly had to wear a shirt and tie to work. That's the other thing. I've I think you would definitely own more button down shirts to fit you than I do. I think I have like two button down shirts that fit me at this point, and you, I never you, wear them. Well, you let, wear let's them. cut to the chase. You wear every almost every photo. I, I I've met you in person, what four times, three, four, five times, and you're always wearing what I would describe as a rugby shirt. Yeah, like I have a series. I mean, that's all, all I get is that's the closest I get to an outfit. It's not the same like Marco's where it's literally the same shirt, but they're horizontally striped shirts with a collar, a couple buttons on top, long sleeve, and underneath that I wear a series of uh, non-exciting t-shirts that I that rotate through. <laughs> I love right. the idea of a series of shirts. <laughs> well, you know, I have a lot of t-shirts. I have running shirts you, uh, from from, oh. uh, from my, when my parents used to do uh, summer runs on Long Island. They got free shirts at the end of the race, and I took a lot of those. So those, some of those have sentimental value. L- the best thing about those shirts, like your old rock and roll t-shirts, is they often have years on them. And every once in a while, you do the math, and I'd get excited wearing it like a 21-year-old t-shirt. Oh, I know. I still have one of my dad's uh, t-shirts from camp um, from uh, probably about 1970. It's, yeah. it's still alive. Cap got, Lander, yeah. I got the uh, when when we uh, graduated sixth grade in my elementary school, they made T-shirts for the whole class with our signatures on them. I don't know how they did this. Like they had us all sign our names on like wow. a big piece of paper, and then they like so screen printed it or whatever. I've got that shirt. It doesn't fit me anymore because it fit me when I was in sixth grade. But uh, I think that's probably my oldest one, and it's, it's still in great condition. Okay, let's we got we got to corral this in a little bit. So so we've got we got the shirts, we got the pants, we got the shoes. So the shoes don't no. D- d- so I'm I, I, this is a silly question to ask you. I don't generally wear the asics around that's right up to the edge for me i feel like i look a little bit jerry seinfeld that's what i'm saying like you look like they're like children's shoes like (laughs) who 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 wears these shoes adults like yeah the kids wear sneakers when they run around my daughter has so much cooler shoes than i do we we both have a pair of uh adidas sambas that we don't wear at the same time because we're not that guy um but i have got a pair of i've got i've got a pair of adidas that i wear sometimes mostly what i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna tear the veil away I'm, you want to know what I'm wearing right now? Go ahead. Is it going to be kind of that kind of podcast? Is that where we're going with this? <clears throat> Crocs. Yeah. I'm wearing, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing Crocs. I'm at my office and I'm wearing Crocs. Here's why I don't wear Crocs. Not because... Well, all right. So I think I said I didn't want to look like a clown. They're starting to press into the clown territory. But really, I would still wear them if I found them to be comfortable, but I don't. But I'm wearing... I want you to understand. Let me see what these are called. I want to say these are called pro... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying these words in public. I think they're called professional Crocs. Yeah, go Google. Pro- <laughs> oh God, Crocs, Crocs just remind me of like uh, that they don't the, have holes. They're professional Crocs. These things you could drop a needle. All Crocs are are like I, I just see them and I think, why are you not in the Pacific Gyre? Like, why are you not in that giant garbage patch in the middle of the Pacific? Because you basically <laughs> might as well be there. Like, they're the most insubstantial. Like. Oh no no no! Seeming. I've had these for eight years and they're still still going strong. <sighs> they're so this lightweight and just John, ugly did, in all possible John, ways. Did you Google? Did you Google professional Crocs? No. These are so. If you're a nurse and you're wearing these, you could take a goddamn hypodermic needle in the toe and you'd be good. There are no holes in these. Look at those. Doesn't that, aren't those fancy? This is like well, like uh, what Bob Bob Belcher would wear. I mean, again, I don't really care about fashion. The professional, but I have, professional I have my Crocs. limits. Like they, yeah, I, I googled them. I. 
they just first crocs just aren't comfortable for me to wear so that bottom line i'm just they're out entirely but if they were comfortable for me to wear i would feel a little bit like i'm wearing clown shoes (laughs) i do i do so my day-to-day shoe right now um is i wear a pair of doc martin oxfords that's my that's my generally my my walk around in the neighborhood go-to shoes and those are much nicer shoes than any shoes i own guaranteed even my supposedly nice shoes that i wear to wear they're tough on sizing you got to be real careful with doc martens and if you ever want to get doc martens i'll tell you how to get get the sizing right but but like they're not comfortable they're not as comfortable as a running shoe right like that's my criteria like do yeah. you want to know what i'm wearing right now yes <laughs> uh, guess i'm gonna guess give me a minute here i'm gonna guess that you're wearing some kind of uh probably a rugby shirt like with horizontal but, stripes keep, on it. keep in mind what time it is it here oh you got your jam jams on it's it's 10 30 p.m so I'm not wearing the clothes I wore today. Is this going to get weird? I don't know. I mean, you started this. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, now I'm imagining you wearing like a blood-soaked apron. <laughs> yeah, no. It's not this what is my time now. <laughs> um, this is a gimme if you just if you use what you know. Uh, I think you're wearing an old. You're wearing an old running T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, what's the temperature right now, Fahrenheit? Roughly in your area, it's pretty. It's cooling off, right? It's fifty here. It's been warm. It's been warm this week. So I'm gonna go with. Okay, let me just go all the way down the line. You're at home, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. How many fingers am I holding up? I can't see you. That's not how podcasting works. Always guess two. Um, you're wearing a running t-shirt. Probably. I don't. I think you've probably got your house a little bit heated, but not a lot because you're a cheapskate. I think you're probably wearing. You know what? I'm gonna go there. Sweatpants. You got it. Okay. Why, and- what else would I possibly be wearing? Sweatpants, uh, t-shirt, and then I think you're probably wearing socks but no shoes because you're probably in no shoe house. Uh, I I'm not wearing my shoes in the house. Shoes come off when I come in, not because we're a no shoe house, you're not but a no because shoe house. I, because but because I want my feet out of the shoes. But I'm wearing like slippers, like slippers you wear, not like, like, like fuzzy slippers. Yes, they cover my whole foot. That sounds comfortable. Yep, and sweatpants and a sweatshirt. Oh, and a sweatshirt. What's it say on it? Nothing. Huh? You know, I you know I have. M- I think I have more pairs of sweatpants than I do jeans. You are living the dream, my friend. People who, yeah, exactly. This is my home. I, after a long day at work where I have worn the outfit that society demands that I wear Ugh. to be accepted as, as a, a responsible human being, the minimum possible, I can get away with being a software developer wearing sneakers, hey, at work for Steve Jobs, only yep. he went New Balance. Um, I feel fine about that. I pass. It looks like a, it looks like a uniform because I don't want to think about what I have to wear. So nope. it's just like continue to buy me a series of these shirts that look this way that I find acceptable, that are reasonably comfortable, that are not, you know, I, I, I look terrible. Like anyone who knows anything about fashion, I do not look good. I'm never going to look oh, good. And you look I'm good fine to me. That. You look good to me. Here's the dream to me. And I, I know Marco probably with much fancier furniture than me. Like, here's the dream for me. The dream for me is I go into uh, the closet, which is where my drawers are. And I want to be able to go in, in the dark. And by knowing that there, basically there's three drawers here, I can go into the top right and I can grab something. I go to the top left, I grab something. I go to any of the uh, drawers under that and grab something. And I know what I will walk out with is one pair white gold toe socks, one pair underwear, could be me undies, could be boxers. And then I know I will have a t-shirt that I've grabbed in that other drawer. I could walk, I could do that in the dark, walk away, put it on, and it would look, I would look pretty much the same every day. That's the dream to me. And then I grab one of my five pairs of 501s and I put them on, and uh, I'm done. Yeah, I would like to get there, but unfortunately, the, my other faculties engage even as I don't care about fashion, and, and this is how it manifests itself. So I've got a closet full of jeans and a series of these uh, rugby shirts or similar shirts with collars, right? Uh, 
because of the way my body is shaped, what happens with these these rugby shirts and, and sweatshirts and stuff over time is the sleeves shrink and they start to become ridiculous where if I extend my arm all the way, half my forearm is sticking out, right? So that's what happens with all these shirts. I can't buy like a large, large that fits me correctly in the arms because the rest of my body is so skinny. So it looks like I'm wearing a giant tent. You're, you're slender torsoed, but you're long limbed. Right, exactly. Ah. And so, and I have a very skinny and long neck so that like if I buy big enough for, for the sleeves, the rest of it will look like a smock on me. So I try to get it just in the balance where that's why you can't just buy any one of these things. Cause I got to try them on and like, I can try them on when they're brand new and say two washes in and we don't even dry these things Two you know, two washes in the sleeves are going to shrink up. So forget about this. So when I pick, I can't just go one from column A, one from column B, one from column C. I've got to coordinate like how the t-shirts fit me combined with how the shirts fit me. And then the shirts have to be rotated out when the sleeves shrink too much, uh, or when they start sh- shrinking lengthwise and start, you know, coming up on me like that. And so you I could really just, you could cut the sleeves off. You look tough. You look like you're in uh, Def Leppard. Yeah. I, I, I just really wish I could get into the uniform kind of Marco thing where it's literally, but like, but the clothes change and I noticed that the changes in them, I noticed the changes in how they fit, and how they feel on me and what what they're like as they go through the wash and everything. And so some shirts have a long life. And you know, I, the thing with clothes is you can never find the second things. Like I had some rugby shirts that lasted for years and years and years until finally the sleeves started to like fray and you had to kind of get rid of them. And that was sad. And other ones I wear for one year and they're already dead and they need to be rotated out to goodwill. Um, if you find if you find something you like that fits and you again, you know, you buy one, you see how it goes, dude. Like immediately buy three more, but that, that never happens. Like that never, even for socks and underwear, it doesn't even happen. Uh, not that I have complaints about socks and underwear, I'm not particularly picky about it. I just, you know, that I, I have a brand and a thing, and it's not that big of a deal. But the socks, like they shrink and stretch differently. Socks have a short lifetime because they're well. That's why I mean, like you've reached a point in life where you should join me in living the dream, which is whatever your brand is pick your brand for me that's that's like i say white gold toes and i will just go and i'm totally i'm totally effing jerry lewis i will just go and buy two or three giant things of those from amazon have them delivered and then every one that i have the slightest repulsion about that's in my sock drawer i throw away yeah i I try to get on that system but like i think i'm more sensitive to clothes comfort than you are because like a lot of things that you're wearing i would i would nix just because they're too uncomfortable, like for example, your jeans probably fit you, whereas mine no, look mine are tremendously. Baggy. I, I, I'm really, I'm really leaning but on the five hundred ones are not the baggy fit. Five hundred ones are, are they're pre- they're pretty baggy. I do I do the uh, unwashed shrink to fit, and then I don't I don't wash them for six months. The shoes definitely any kind of dress shoes is not as comfortable as a running shoe to me. And uh, the I'm socks. Not, I'm not going to argue on any of this. I, I I hope you will. We can agree on cheese here. Like I, I totally respect what you're talking about, and the comfort part is important. But the, see, the reason that I can't buy the socks in bulk is because I have summer socks and winter socks. In uh-huh. summer, I got to have the ones where they're really low down, you know, because it gets hot. And then in, in the winter, I have the ones that go farther up. And also, I do thermal underwear <laughs> in the winter because I'm always cold. And that's where that's where the one thing you got wrong before is that yes, I am a cheapskate, but I am the one who's cranking the temperature up in the house. I'm like, you know what? This is what I have a job for, so that when I wake up in the house, it can be 69 and not 68. And the difference between 68 and 69 in, in a house this old is tremendous. <laughs> 69 and not 60. This is the eternal battle in our house. My wife is always hot, right? She can't handle it at 69 in the morning. I have to, you know, like, so, and, and I have to set the timer. Like, 69 when do you, does not sound hot. Especially in a house that, like, we don't have radiant floor heating or anything. When, the floor it's, cold, is freezing when it's cold it's here, we put, it to, we put it to at least 70 when it's cold no, the, here. The 69 is the highest our thermostat has ever been in our house. Because of money? Uh, no, because my wife is always hot. <gasps> Interesting. That's a twist. You guys have a very modern relationship. Yeah. So anyway, but I, for, starting basically now, 
uh, for and I will continue until the spring thaw. I wear thermal underwear all the time. To bed, to work, underneath all my clothes. I so I have a second set of this. clothes. Please I have a second, draw this someone. <laughs> I have a second set of clothes for the wintertime that fits on top of thermal underwear. Oh, I get what you're saying. It's the layered approach. I understand. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's more complicated than it needs to be, mostly because of comfort stuff. I have a lot of pants. All my pants are too big for me. If you were to see me put on my pants, and I wear belts with them to make them so they don't fall down, because I'm very sensitive. I don't like things to be tight around my waist. My, my waist is not that large. You know, it's getting bigger as I get older, but it's not that big. But I'm very sensitive to comfort. And so I'm basically barely holding it together here. It's like it's, it's like bailing wire and duct tape to have myself be a presentable human being in the world. I want you to just not even notice what I'm I wearing. Know, I know. And, I know. And I'm, and I'm mostly failing in that regard a little bit. But the thing is, I just can't bring myself to care. And when I listen to other people who, who like this is their hobby... You get that thing of like, you know, where you hear someone who's like really excited about stamps. You can get excited about stamps, too. You're like, well, I'm not really into stamps, but this guy's really into stamps, and it's kind of exciting, you know? Oh, no, no. Like, I, 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 no I, I think we are so much more on the same page uh, than you may realize here. I agree with all of that. And I, I don't have any disrespect for people who, like, you know, I don't want to just say want to look nice, but for people who see clothing as a way to to express themselves and, and to, you know, say a thing and feel good about who they are. Like, Oh my gosh, I have, I have, as you like to say, I have uh, endless aloha for that. That's totally fine by me. Um, but, but I don't, I feel self-conscious. Like if I have to go to a wedding again, now you got travel plus dressing up. So extra stress, like, cause I, I like, I want to look presentable, but I, I, I still feel like I'm wearing like my my dad's clothes when I dress up for a wedding. I still feel like a little kid in grown-up clothes. And I, I know how to tie a tie. Like, I know how to get pants that fit and stuff like that mostly. But, like, I don't know what's up to date. I don't think I've had a necktie that was up to date. At any, yeah. My neckties are always five years Ooh, behind. Those wide ones from the 70s are just back in style, I think. So just or in the 90s. Out. Like, the 90s, everybody had a red wide tie. Like, it was a thing. And, uh, and it's like, I just... I just don't even want to – I wish there was a way that you could have a certain – I wish I could dress like a nun and just telegraph this thing that says, look, if I'm dressed like a nun, don't talk about my clothes. Yeah, and, and I'm sure if there are any women listening to our program right now, they're like, you guys don't know how easy you have it. Because I can imagine if I was a woman and had exactly the same instinct store clothes, how much incredible uh, – how, how much more societal pressure there would be on me to oh, – like the I, minimum bar would be ridiculous. No, like, I mean like – Because finding a pair of pants or like a suit that – like we don't, we don't have any problem whatsoever compared to like, oh, uh, we're going to a wedding – I have to wear a dress of some well, kind. Let me, let me that, suggest we not even give this short shrift because of how incredibly different of a situation that is. No, yeah, it would be it would be a debacle. There's no way I could even begin to compete. Just like what you would need to like show up for the DMV. Like I don't even think I could muster that. So no, no. I mean, let's take that as red. Oh my god, God bless you. <laughs> and, and I would be so angry. Like that's why I have uh, you know. I, I would be so angry at the world because I would like, I don't care about clothes. I don't care that I'm a woman. I'm not here to, to look good for you. I'm wearing whatever the hell I want. And I would just be like shunned by society like because there's just such a demand that yeah. women be decoration for the rest of the world. And boy, I, I get vicariously pissed about that. I'm not decoration for the world, but it's like I can you know briefly imagine what it would be like if I was a woman and that was the expectation of me. I would be like, F you. Like, I, you know, and you know, again, maybe for people, men and women, if you like it and it's your hobby, like, great. You know, that's like, I, I uh, you know, recognize that. But this is one case where I, I get to be the Merlin here and be like, 
if you know in yeah, this case there I really don't, i don't is. want to participate stop acting like i have to do this yeah it, no it, it is real like this is unlike the, the the pressure to use emoji or not use it like that is 100 uh, totally alternate real. week alternate week <laughs> I'm, I'm agreeing with you that like this is a real thing like this incredible pressure to look good uh, that basically doesn't exist for men and like for women it's like their entire purpose in life and it is just insane and cruel and i get angry just thinking about it because of how little i care about clothing how little i care about it i care so little and the only time i ever get a little bit bitter and angry about it is when the people who do care about clothing start getting a little bit judgy like where well not not even not even towards me but towards like themselves and others like to other combatants because they're they're willing to like say you're a non-combatant i don't even look at you you're invisible i don't even know what you're talking about go away right but to each other like where they're where they start to take it a little bit too seriously, like where they're thinking a little bit too hard about what kind of thing they want to wear, how they want to present themselves. And like from the outside as like an alien looking down through the telescope of these weird people on this planet earth, like, like what game are you playing with each other where you're carefully accessorizing to, to like jockey for a position in this invisible ladder that means nothing and really, all you're doing is just like walking into it, like that. There are victories and defeats, and yeah, well, I mean, having, it amounts ha- to a kind of bullying, ha- having to do with displays and uh, and just like and status. And it's like, what what status? Like you just uh, ugh, you know that that I feel like it, it takes a break and it goes away from the hey, I'm super into clothes and clothes are awesome and fun and it's a great hobby to have into this is a form of like societal combat and that that grosses me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, you're pretty tall. What are you like, six three? Yeah, I'm shrinking every day. I'm. Uh, I was never six three. Six two. Six six two on good days, and now these days, with my lovely posture and agedness, I'm slowly shrinking away from six two. I'm five nine and just a little bit, <clears throat> 169 pounds. I got about a 34 or 35 waist, depending on the pants. 30 or 32 inseam. I wear a large usually on top or a medium if I actually want it to fit. Yeah, you're, you're the reason all the larges don't fit me. Because of the inflation. Because the, the body's too big. Yeah. No, no, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, to have a word like large to yeah. describe clothing, you know, that, that's such an odd, what an odd description. That, that, that's what, hey, how, what size is that shirt? Large. Yeah, well, so it, that's that's why people go with dress shirts. Like, at least I have a fighting chance with dress shirts. Although, realistically speaking, I can't find dress shirts that actually fit my strange, misshapen body. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, it should it should imply. But at like least a, they have inch measurements on them. At least they have exactly. sleeve length. You know, yeah. the, the 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 chest, the neck, and you can try it. But if you go through the store. Where can I find the one with a 34 sleeve and a 14 and a half inch neck? Like, <laughs> it's like, what? Is this an Your alien? Your neck is four <laughs> inches smaller than John Roderick's neck. Uh, I, I don't know if it's still like that. I'm getting fatter. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, when somebody says large, like, you know, uh, have you ever saw the uh, Talking Heads Stop Making Sense movie when David Byrne is wearing the suit that gets bigger as mm-hmm. the, like, yep. you know what that is? That's a large suit. He's wearing a suit that is large. That is something you could describe as large because it is an empirically large suit. But it's not a size. Yeah, or, and like having one word, like women's sizes are made up and women's sizes and, and are stuff, an ins- but, insane form of torture. And they but at least no they're sense. more granular than small, medium, and large. You don't buy a small dress, a medium dress, and a large dress. Like that's not how dresses work. They work in another Byzantine system, but at least there are more gradations between them. So that's why men's dress clothes, where you have pants where there are actual measurements for the different parts, start to make sense, and then you can accurately gauge exactly how much fatter you're getting by 
as these particular measurements change. But most well, of the clothes I buy <laughs> are all small, medium, large. And like, I just, we just got a, a, got a jacket at work. It's like, you know, work swag or whatever. And like, what size jacket do you want? Well, it's like, well, I know the answer is not small. And I know the answer is not extra large. So it's either a medium or a large. You're and which large. one it is, I have no idea. I always have to get large because I got to go to the sleeve lengths. And I'm just like, well, it's going to look big and baggy on me, but people already think I'm skinny, but it's still somehow better than like not extending all the way down my arms. And I look like, you know, a uh, skin, skin, skinny guy in a little coat for the uh, Chris Farley thing with a twist. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, everything you need to know about women's fashion is, uh, is, is to me, the logic of it is wonderfully explained by the sizes start at zero, except for when they're less than zero, and they go up to 12, in even numbers mostly. To, to, like fit, to fit half of the population, you have basically approximately six, maybe nine sizes. And they drift. They drift over time. Oh, no, they're, like, they're completely like the, different. T- today's four is not the four from 20 years ago. Is not the four from 50 years ago. A size, a size six, quote-unquote, dress from Target is going to be very different from a size six dress that you oh, get. Oh, yeah. Like no, that, that's like within a given time period, this, those numbers mean different things for different brands and different you know types of clothes or whatever. But then, just like I'm saying, shift decades around the, the right. sizes shift because people, it's all meaningless. But at least, there, at least there's more numbers than small, medium, large. Yeah, and no. extra large and XX large and XXX large. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't realize how kindred we are because you, because I always, you know, and it doesn't take much. Like when I see someone, oh, they're not wearing sneakers. They dress nicer than me. Like that's all it takes. And so that's why I'm putting you in a category slightly above me. But you, now that I think about it, the different things I've seen you wear, a lot of the times it is you are wearing your. I'm going out of the house and have to look presentable clothes. So you'll put on the button-down shirt. I'll put on the nicer jeans. I'll put on the shirt with buttons. Right, which and you have a variety of. I've seen different shirts. I have like I think I have like I said maybe three that fit me, and they're all white. And that's it. I don't have like, like you're not, ready for a funeral. Yeah, when when we did when I did the talk show live at WWDC, um, you know, back before Phil Schiller, like the year before that, I had to find something to wear on stage, and that was a difficult situation because I'm not. I don't have a thing to go grab in the closet for that because I never dress even remotely that nice. And I didn't want to wear my normal outfit. I figured I need to push it up a little notch, but I'm not going to wear a suit. So it was like, I forget what I wore. I have my wife, you know, I have my wife pick out stuff for me. She doesn't, at this point, she's opted me out too. She's like, whatever, wherever the hell you want. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but because she wasn't going to be there to be embarrassed by me, but she had opinions. And so she presented me with uh, an option and I had an option. I just wore whatever she picked because I'm like, well whatever this is you know it's a shirt that i wouldn't have worn. it was i had two button down shirts that we got for this occasion and i wanted to wear one of them and she wanted me to wear the other and the other just looked like weird to me but i wore the one that she suggested no one remembers what it is so success like i've successfully i passed you know what i mean i passed yes. for a person who person who wears clothes you have no recollection of what i was wearing <laughs> i think so that's all right. i'm looking for no one remembers what i was wearing success uh but that's like the only non-white button-down shirt. See, I now you're have. making me think I, I got kind of a queer eye thing going on here. Like, um, I, I'm i sure for... You can't save me. Don't try no, to save me. Listen, listen, listen. I'm just saying. We, we got a lot of people listening to this show. I'm guessing most of the women and a great deal of the men would love to give you a makeover. One outfit. One good outfit that you're comfortable with that meets your criteria. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm certainly not going to be the one to do it. Although I could I could give you a makeover you'd never forget. Can they make over like the rest of society so I can wear sweatpants everywhere? That, 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 that seems like a disproportionate response. Yeah, that's like, a boil the ocean strategy. Like, no, no, no. We're not going to make him over. <laughs> We are going to wipe all the, you know, Recto Apocalypse now. If we wipe out every other living thing on this planet, whatever he wears will be fashionable. 
This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by pointing your browser at squarespace.com. As many of you know, I've been a huge fan and evangelist of Squarespace for over five years now. It's not only the place that I use for hosting many of my own sites and, yes, podcasts. It's also the first place that I recommend for anyone wanting to do the same. Squarespace sites are gorgeous. They are professionally designed masterpieces. They look great right out of the box, regardless of your skill level. There is zero coding nerdery required. They offer intuitive, easy-to-use tools. Take all the pain out of getting your stuff up. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site, and that ensures security and stability, even if you get a link from popular internet personalities like John Syracuse. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected companies of the world, including me. I'm pretty respected, right? Anyway, the great part is Squarespace plans start at a very affordable $8 per month, and that price even includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, which you should totally do. Please check these folks out and do tell your friends about it. I can't promise you that Squarespace is right for everybody, but I can promise you it is right for somebody in your life. Get out of the webmaster business and get your stuff up. You can start your free trial site today, no credit card required, by visiting squarespace.com. And when you sign up for your Squarespace site, make sure to use the offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S. That helps our show, and it gets you 10% off your first purchase. Nothing wrong with that. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all the great shows. Squarespace, build it beautiful. But just one outfit, one outfit that meets your criteria, but just ups your game just a little bit. But, like, I've, I've seen enough of those shows to know that it's it's never really, honestly, totally about what the person who they're making over wants. It's a lot about what the rest of the people want to see the person who's being made over look like. Couldn't do that for a fan? What if it's a Make-A-Wish? What if it's somebody yeah. who's really sick and wants <laughs> to give a One of my favorite uh, Simpsons exchanges ever, uh, comic book guy is at the comic book convention going through the long boxes. Uh, I don't remember the exact details of this thing. Um, I forget he's talking, or maybe some uh, someone else is going through long boxes and he's running the booth. Anyway, this attractive woman uh, says something to him, <laughs> right, and, right. Get, and they and they have like, have like a little flirty back. Yeah, it's and like forth. you know, he said maybe you you know he asked something her about date the or whatever. In his beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got some food on his beard, and she she's actually being receptive, and she says, "Wipe that guacamole off your shirt," something like that. Wipe that guacamole off your t-shirt, and you've got a deal. And he says, "Don't try to change me, baby." <laughs> Like that, that any any attempt to like you know she's she's willing to go all not just ha- meet him halfway meet him like ninety nine point nine percent of the way yep I you know I am uh, I am a beautiful interesting girl who's interested in what you want to do I will go out on a date with you. all you gotta do is wipe the guacamole off your t shirt it's like no way in hell like what are you trying to do don't try to change yep. me baby just cross the line that's right yeah like you know what what do you what do you you know that's asking too much mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm willing to go farther than that but uh, depending on who you ask. Well, let's let's leave it at this. Let, let's make it easy on John. If anybody uh, has an idea, maybe John, if we could get you. How is this leaving easier on me? You're yeah. volunteering me for something that I do not want. No, please don't thank me. I'm happy to help. <laughs> if, maybe it would help if we you could get some photographs. You could get scanned or something where you could create something like a paper doll that people mm-hmm, can get. Mm-hmm. Or we could just have our listeners, if they would, would you mind drawing John in long underwear in a way that other people could download, and then maybe people could give you a virtual makeover. They could give you the kind of clothes. They wouldn't even need to be comfortable. As long as the doll is comfortable, you wouldn't be opposed. Wouldn't that be nice? People could send you send you looks. No. no. Yeah. You wouldn't that even wouldn't, like it. That makes that, you uncomfortable. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be good. No, that also, before we uh, abandon this topic for good, the, the other thing that I think about when hearing, especially men, because I, I can't, you know, women, I just get angry and or, or I can't relate at all. 
to what they're going through. Um, but with men, hearing men who are into fashion is a relatively new thing for me because, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I just didn't know that many people who were, or if they were into it, they didn't talk about it uh, with me. But, you know, listening to podcasts or, you know, this, this, there's been in my, in my, uh, I don't know if this is true, like that it's actually out there like this, but my awareness of men who are into fashion has increased a lot in, say, the past decade or two. Right? Can, I, can I give a slight uh, reframe on that? I think I think men have always like I, I I've uh, looked at Playboys for years or Esquires or whatever. Men have been interested in fashion for a pretty long time, but they've been interested in fashion as like give me the pointers to what I need to wear to look like I'm in fashion this season. I think what's different in the last five years, I'm going to call it the Jesse Thorne era, is like not just an interest in fashion, but an interest in fashion as art. For, for like straight men to be interested in working fashion as a means of expression, that I feel like is kind of a new thing. Yeah, do, do, and, do, do you take the distinction? Yeah, and I, and I think my contact with those people, not from afar, not like looking at a GQ type magazine, but seeing like, I know people in real life who obviously subscribe to this philosophy and and manifest it in the, the real world and like th- that my awareness that it's not just a thing that happens in magazines but it's a thing that real people do uh has increased and and you know roderick talking about his I- eternal obsession over the particulars of clothes is uh my most frequent encounter with it of someone actually talking about that and i don't know like i try to think like aside from being excited about him finding something in a thrift store or whatever. Um, I always try to, I'm always trying to figure out, and this is probably wrong. I'm probably thinking about it the wrong way. Like what is going through their head when they are devoting so much time and energy to thinking about what, what they should or shouldn't wear. And that, that, that sometimes comes out as talking about what other people should or shouldn't wear or what kind of people they, they might be based on what they wear. Like his whole big thing of wearing flip flops in the plane and stuff like that setting aside germophobia or whatever thing like just right. just the idea that that be, that because it's such an important thing to him that the, the world is viewed through that lens and in some respects you're like well i don't want him to look at me that way but i'm wearing sweatpants now so does that mean that he thinks i'm a terrible person right and then the other thing is like how much energy is being burned up thinking about like like what like what are they trying to do it's uh, it's kind of like the way i used to you know another thing opted out of the possibility of being a cool person, very you know, very related to opting out of uh, clothing and opting out of girls or whatever, very early on, said, "Well, that's never going to be me, so I'm not going to spend any energy on that." And seeing just how much how much other people wanted to do that, and it's like, what what do you get when when you have achieved that? Like, you come in and you are the coolest person in the room, and you are the best dressed, and then what? Then what happens? Like, I guess you get I guess you get the girl. Point of view. I don't know. Yeah, I got a point of view on this. Well, first of all, there is. If you care about how you look and you are curating, collecting, assembling, and iterating on the kind of wardrobe that expresses what you want to express, well, I mean, the obvious benefit is you look cool. Like, you're dressed, you're dressed well, however you right. want to put it. It's like its own reward, basically. Well, that, but I'm saying that is, that's the, that's the MacGuffin. Like, that's, that's sure, that seems like the reason they're doing this. But in the case of John, knowing what else you know about John, it very much fits into a collector's mentality. Which is like if you're a collector of whatever it is, whether that's RC cars, yeah. Or- well, the, the, the whole retro thing of like you know that that uh, that uh, he's much more interested in clothes from long dead people but, than but than modern clothes. I guess so. But what I guess what I'm trying to say is whatever it is that you collect, whatever heights you aspire to with whatever your collection is, the deeper and deeper and deeper you get into collecting that kind of thing, the more you learn. 
and we're not talking about value in terms of dollars and cents here, but it could be in terms of rarity. It could be in terms of like, this is such a great example of this particular kind of piece. And that will be the best version of that piece you've ever seen until you find the next better piece. That's what a collector is. And I think John and I have talked about this a lot. A collector is not somebody who just gets everything of this one thing that they can find. There's somebody who's like going through and like there's 10,000 things they throw out for everything that they get. And I think when you're able to combine those two tendencies, yeah, I want to look good. I want to express this. Like you become like your own little personal museum. Like how you chose that particular bow tie to go with that pocket square. Like I, I respect that. I think that's kind of cool. And like it's not for me. And I'm glad I'm not being a hope. I'm not being compared to that person. But I think I get why people do that. That's a that's a really interesting occupation. Well, I, I've I've heard the the different types of collecting. I think they're all uh, valid. But I think the difference being John, like with his you know sunglasses collection and being intimidated by the other guy's sunglasses collection, he doesn't just collect. He, you know, he does collect, sure, but it's not just that. He will also then choose from his vast arsenal of collections to construct an outfit for the day and maybe put up an Instagram picture of the outfit for the day that he has chosen. And yep. his outfits for the days over the decades have been crazy pants, literally and figuratively, <laughs> uh, from the perspective of someone who knows nothing about fashion. But it's so clear that this is a thing he's doing with his life, right? Uh, he looks like he could be like a like an oil mogul or a human trafficker. Like he's obviously operating on another level. Or you know, a homeless person. Like he's he's he runs the gamut. Yeah, he's 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 that's his gift. The, that's his gift. The, the whole range. But you know, any any people like very frequently, you know, it's, it's part of getting older. You will see you will see a younger person, and you will think that they may have been uh, injured in a car accident and don't know it, and you realize no, that's just how they're dressing. Like because you get out of <laughs> like to, to get get out of touch with fashion, and that is that. I don't remember where I talked about this in late bloomer that much, but that is a phenomenon, a phenomenon of opting out and sort of being alienated or whatever is that very early on, like usually you think like, you know, when you're 80, you'll look at the kids and they'll be like, I don't understand these fashions they're wearing or the kids these days, so on and so forth. Right. To have that same feeling when you yourself are 17 years old and you're looking at other 17 year olds is was kind of novel to me. And like, and I realized by opting out, I had no idea what they were doing. And it was like, I could see them how, how you know, other people would see them distant in time. Like, because I'm so out of it and have no idea what the hell is going on, they look to me like I would imagine 17-year-olds will look to regular people when they're 80. Because hmm. I didn't under, couldn't understand what they were doing or that they thought this was, you know, it's the same way I'm sure like the, the long-haired hippies look to the squares in the 50s, right? Or whatever. It's like, don't they know their hair is long? What are they even doing? Like, why are they, you know, it's just... Not not particularly long haired, but any any kind of fashion thing, anything that is sufficiently fashionable, looks to me like like an injury or damage or something that was accidental. Like that's you know, <laughs> that's what it's like when you have no fashion sense. You know, it's like it just doesn't even make sense. Like, what are you even doing? Uh, never mind how comfortable it might be or whatever. And that's and the 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 reason you can't you know because I can't relate to that in any way that further cements the idea that like. Don't you even try to do this because it's clear you have no idea what the heck is going on. Any attempt you make will just end in disaster because you don't even have the most basic instincts to know what is good and what is bad because you're not into it and you don't care. So, you know, forget. And, uh, yeah, and I, and I, it's not, I have that feeling now, obviously, but I had it when I was a kid too. And it was very, it was very strange. Well, let me ask you, um, I get all of that, and I'm totally sympathetic to all of that. Um, what, uh, not so much today, but like when you were a kid, how did you feel about dressing up for Halloween? I, I think I stopped that pretty early because when I was a kid, uh, 
you switched, at least in my neighborhood, you switched to vandalism pretty early. Sure, in, you was in, in Halloween. You, you were uh, you were very advanced. Oh, is like I I think basically by my son's age, I was already putting a needle into the uh, the 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 tip of a shaving cream container and putting a lighter underneath it to get the you know you know that technique. Oh dear, no. Is no? that for, ta- is you, that for tattoo even, for tattooing? What are you doing? No, what are you even doing with your life? You take take a thing of of just plain old white foamy to make shave, it explode in your father's face. Cream. No, no, white foamy shaving cream. Right. You take a needle. And you put it in the part where the shaving cream comes out, and you have to kind of hold it in the middle there because it's not it would fall out otherwise, right? It's just right. in the giant big hole where the shaving cream comes out. Then you take a lighter, and you put it right underneath the tip, and the tip melts around the needle. Then you wait for it to cool a second, then you take the needle out. What you have now is a very skinny, hopefully straight opening on the shaving cream bottle. Now when you press the little thumb thing on the top of the shaving cream to come out, instead of it just being like a foamy thing that comes out like blub, 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 it shoots out in a concentrated stream. And now you can have shaving cream fights. You're using physics. How did you have shaving cream fights when you were a kid if you don't know this essential technique? That's a really good question. I think it's it's self-explanatory. That's why I didn't have as as many as I probably should have. Socks with flour in them, which I never really understood, but that was a thing. My goodness, you're practically medieval. Anyway, yeah, they're like neighborhood stick fights, like yeah, you know. yeah. So anyway, we, I, I felt like we switched from let's all get dressed up in costumes and get candy to let's not really get dressed up and get a little bit of candy to immediately let it lets us let us engage in vandalism and fight with each other. Another instance of John's parents didn't know what he was up to. Ah, uh, they probably knew because our house got egged a lot of times, and eggs really don't come off things. I think that's God, that's so gone disgusting. Down, you know? It's awful. It's very, it's bad for your car's paint. It's bad for your house. I, if kids do that in my neighborhood, I would call the police on them. But it, it was a different time. It was a different time back then. Oh my goodness. Kids roamed free. Then we were feral. Anyway, before that, I was excited about picking what I wanted to be. This was the age, as you well know. Of these stamped plastic masks <laughs> that would cut you, <laughs> that had razor right. sharp edges and, and a little slit. And, with the, and then there was a negligee with a little tie at the neck that had something printed on mm-hmm. it. And and the, the piece of elastic <laughs> that held this razor sharp mask to your face was like like the, the width of a hair, and it was like yeah, and stapled. It would, it would snag. It would snag your hair, and it was stapled on it. The entire thing was was just it was awful. Yeah, like it, a strong wind would come and take the whole thing away. Like, You're like hey, was, look at me, I'm Poncherella. Yeah, right, and that's what you get. And the masks look terrible. Oh, God, yeah. Anyway. I would pick, you know, Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, you know, like not all Star Wars characters, Superman, Batman, you know, I, it, when it's like when your parents could pick, I think they made me like Raggedy Ann and my sister Raggedy, uh, well, Raggedy just, Andy that, and Raggedy that's Ann. That's just tragic. When you're a little kid, like, you know, but as soon as I could pick, I was picking superheroes and you just go to the costume section and there would be these terrible masks and these plastic things and little boxes with a clear thing on the top and you would point to them when you want and that's what you would wear. Um, and I was excited to do that. And that had nothing to do with dressing up. That had to do with like you play pretend to pretend you're Superman. Now you get to dress up like Superman and run around and get free candy. It's win win. Win win. Yeah. Uh, this year, my daughter. My my. I'm not gonna tell her this. It was the first year I've been a little, little disappointed by what she picked <laughs> because she didn't pick exactly what you wanted to pick. Yeah, of course. Yeah. What she did you was, want? Uh, she was Ash from the Pokemon. Yeah. You can't no. can't relate to the Pokemon. It's not. It's a little bit out of your wheelhouse. It's unrelatable. It's 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 inscrutable. Mm-hmm. And then she almost she almost pivoted. She wore ash to school, and she was what she described as girl ash, which was kind of cool. And she had some flair, and she had a ponytail coming out of her her little store bought hat. And then she was gonna pivot to what she wore last year, which was Hermione, which was awesome. And I was like, oh, I'm so excited you can be Hermione again. But then at the last minute, she decided to be a princess, and I was supportive. I mean, uh, she thinks I was supportive. I assume. 
Yeah. So here, this this is your connection. Maybe you didn't know about the whole Pokemon thing. Let's uh, circle this back around here. Yeah. Is this the final form thing? No, that's uh, that's Super Dragon Balls. Super effective that you didn't get before. Uh, it's not Dragon Balls. No, it's Pokemon. I is that how you pronounce it? Do you, do you call it Dragon Balls? Uh, Dragon Ball Z. Okay. I have no idea. I've, I'm glad. I'm glad I know now. I don't know if that's correct because these are not. Uh, you know, I. Oh, super effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so may, your daughter might know that when you can impress her. If I don't know. Uh, yeah. So there's always going to be things your kids are into that you're not. Uh, that you can't understand a little bit. Although I, I hope feel I like can I can change that. I, I hope I can change that. I, I yeah. Not by changing what they're interested. In. No. Like I. <laughs> no. I, you know, I'm not saying it's healthy. Yeah. No. I I, I feel like I have. Enough of an understanding of of the world of things, more often more of an understanding than any of my kids, and I still want to encourage them to go towards the good stuff and discourage them to go toward, away from the junk food. What I, what I always frame it to them is that I'm trying to steer you towards things that when they, you look back on when you're older, you'll, you will still like and they will still be quality, as opposed to things that you will look back on and realize that they were crap, like so many things from yeah, my childhood. Yeah, well, it falls you know? apart on, on like Saturday mornings when she... She's empowered. She gets up. She knows she has to stay in bed till six. That's the rule. And after six, she can get up and she can go watch TV on like a Saturday morning. And that's when like, and it's a time my wife and I, you know, capitalize on to like, you know, do our own thing. Like she can go running. I can hang out. Like it's, it's mellow. Right. Um, but man, her taste is terrible on Saturday mornings and she'll just plow through like that terrible Casper series, the Casper, the friendly ghost. She'll just watch a ton of those. I'm glad I don't know what that is. Uh, it's pretty bad. Terrible CGI, Casper and Friends. Does she do Teen Titans? Oh, the Tiny Teen Titans? Yeah, that's a great show. Mm. You don't like that show? That's, that's, that's my, like my limit. Like, Oh, I think I, I, I think Starfire is adorable. I, I demand sublime excellence. I basically demand Adventure Time. It's essentially like anything less than that. I said, this is junk. Why are you watching this? You could I be know. watching Adventure Time. I know, but at, when, I, when I'm finding myself going like, ah, you're watching too many Powerpuff Girls, I'll be like, wait, stop. Like Powerpuff this, Girls is boring. Yes, comma, let me finish my paragraph. Right. That's so much better than any of the junk that I watched for five oh, hours yeah. Oh, yeah. in the Forget 70s. No, Powerpuff we Girls terrible. is pretty good. So I'll, I'll say, like, you know, can we have some variety here? Can we switch it up a little bit? Like, But she will. She'll just go and watch Adventure Time on her own, which is great. Oh, and how excited <laughs> are you? Two weeks in a row of all these episodes. This week uh, coming up, we've got uh, Marceline Week coming up. You uh, know about that? I do not. There's uh, eight episodes this week. It's a Marceline miniseries called Stakes, mm. and it's uh, I think it's eight episodes this week. I had to ban Cartoon Network from the downstairs TV though because of burn in the stupid CN logo that is. Oh op- right, op- they didn't fix that for you. I thought that you told them about that, didn't you? No, they don't care. Uh, so they watch it. We watch it upstairs now. Do they so not have a plasma TV, John? Do they just not understand? Nobody cares about plasma TV. Ah, oh, that's, that's a goddamn cares. shame. It that's is. our legacy. Yeah, and, and really, it all it takes is just like a little transparency. I'm not asking for the moon here. Just like make it a little tra- yeah, or maybe it, maybe have it, it just maybe it have it not be on the screen for the entire show. In exactly I the same what place, you're on exactly the same shape. Mm-hmm. Can mm-hmm. you run a comb over that like a hickey? Is there anything you can do to make it go away? That doesn't it, work on plasma. It, it it fades over time. My destiny HUD is barely visible. I have a calendar reminder for the one year anniversary of me banning destiny for my plasma television. The destiny <laughs> HUD is barely visible at this point. Cartoon Network is worse than the Destiny Hut ever was, and I'm so pissed at that damn channel. Oh, God. That's miserable. The kids are okay. They, they do it upstairs. Uh, yeah. We have plenty of places for them to watch TV, and they can watch it on their iPads, and like they're not hurting for places to watch But not in their but, room. No Wi-Fi. Yeah. Our mm. room gets signal, because, you know, we're not animals. Um, so then that's where the television upstairs is, so they watch it in our room, which I'm fine with. But 
Hmm. Think. What are the other shows that they watch that are that are crappy? You're right. They're like nothing is as bad as the television we watch. Like it's the cautionary tale that Captain Caveman or like a show or that or Hong Kong Fooey. It's like uh, although like the shows I was making in my head, like what was it? Uh, Thunder of the Barbarian. Uh, that is a, an interesting world, but the actual show is terrible. But like I, I my my headcanon version of Thunder of the Barbarian. Hey, it's, it was pretty cool. Well, I mean, you know, she's a kid. She has her own taste. I mean, she's she's freaking eight. Like she's gonna figure stuff out. But like. Yeah, I mean, she has. There's probably kids with worse taste. And you know what's 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 cool about her though, is that she doesn't so much do that thing where she watches the same movie every day. Like a lot of her friends are still, even at seven or eight, are still in that phase that starts around two or three. You know, like let's watch Frozen mm-hmm, every day. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that phase. You, I, you miss that phase. It depends. It depends on the movie. Like for well, us, she yeah. hit that. She hit that stage. Uh, in I'm gonna say when she was three which was square in the middle of our Toy Story period, which mm-hmm. was fine by me. Like, if there's any movie that I could tolerate, any three movies that I could tolerate watching on a regular basis, it's those. So I felt super lucky there. Yeah, I, I did, it did a pretty good job with that, too. I think both of my kids recently realized it was probably my son and my daughter just parroting off of her. We were talking about shows or television shows we watched when we were kids and stuff. And I, one of my kids, probably my son, had the revelation and asked me, Dad, was there any show we watched when we were little that wasn't educational? <laughs> and the wow. answer is basically no, because like you know, for the longest time we held them to PBS educational shows only, trying to keep the quality reasonable. And if it wasn't a quality show, at the very least, it was teaching you to read or something. And so they finally had the revolution revelation that essentially everything they watched up until they could start, you know, asserting their little uh, own opinions about shows they wanted to watch was an educational program, which is also fine with me. And then when they went. Away from educational, I was, you know, pushing the Miyazaki and the, and the Pixar and all the other stuff and still fairly tightly controlled. Only recently did they start to get into junk. My son had a longer run of quality because, again, if you have multiple kids, the older one drags the, you know, you can't you can't keep the older one away from the junk. And then the younger one gets on the junk faster than the older one did. Um, but, yeah, they watch some crappy stuff now. I, I imagine you really can't. It, do, it must feel a little bit unfair, certainly to the aggrieved party, but even to you, it must seem a little unfair to say, "Well, he gets to watch this, but you don't." Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a whole thing. Like it just the the whole injustice of life that there is another being in the house who you who who gets something different. You know, how many times can you tell your children what their age delta is? He's three years older than you. She's three years younger than you. Like that, no matter how many times you say that, they cannot conceptualize that, like like three years ago is so long to them it's like can you imagine three years ago you demanding this thing that you know like you you expecting to, uh, yourself three years ago to perform the behaviors that we're asking you to, to you know you're 11 that's why we're asking you to do this uh we're not quite ready to ask her to do that because she's three years younger than me you and three years ago you were not even close to doing this you couldn't even tie your shoes like they just they just not they don't understand the delta they don't care it's just an incredible injustice when any any when the other person gets something or has to do something the other person doesn't have to do no matter which direction it's, yeah i'm sensitive to that though because i really felt that as a kid i really felt like i was entitled to to everything i i, I liked hanging out with grown-ups and older kids and I, I was frequently the aggrieved party like if i didn't get to hear a dirty joke you, you were an only child though i expected it you know i was an only child obviously i was the center of the world i know that's okay once you have the other sibling like especially in conflicts who started it who was really at fault who was annoying who and like there's no there's no such thing as justice i've I've tried to convince them that that there's no such thing as fairness by asking them to try to define it they don't care they have just the innate sense of what they believe fairness is even though they cannot actually define it uh that you know their their version of fairness is i get what i want 
oh my God, I just, and that's really hitting me now that you, you're a father to those kids and they have to live up to your standards. They don't. They would just ignore me and <laughs> they, don't, they could give two craps. But I like, if you can't define it, how can you like, defend it? So, no, so here's, no, so here's the thing, like. The, the the smarter they get, the more their brains develop, the more I gain power over them. That's essentially how it works. Because my biggest tool is, you know, reason and logic. And it has no effect on, obviously, a baby or a toddler. Or, but as they get smarter, like, they're coming into my, you know, <laughs> they're getting into my wheelhouse. They're going to be in big trouble. Um, so it's been exciting to me as they get smarter because my tools begin to work on them. And I, I, I can use the tools that I'm best with instead of having to figure out something else to do. Uh, but still, on the fairness thing, they can't. I have not yet convinced them that that there's no such thing as fairness, uh, you know, or that they have no reasonable definition of fairness because it's you know it's basically impossible for adults to define. You can kind of work out something, but kids just have no like they didn't even you know they just they just have that feeling, and the feeling is that you know someone else has something that they don't have or the, well, the that's world the, is but like okay i mean this is not interesting but like you're defi- you're getting to the point of what makes it funny and what makes it interesting is that when a kid talks about fairness or by extension like basically justice there's there's one there's one definition of fairness that a child understands which is did i get what everybody else got which is not to say, like, if they got more than somebody else, they're not going to worry about fairness. Well, that's obviously, I got more. That's okay. A child, that, that, that's the irony, is that fairness is not really about equal distribution or about well, everybody getting they, what they, they wanted. They can't even get to that definition. They it just means, it just means they got what they wanted. But, but like, you know, you, like, I would expect, the first time I threw that out, I figured they would come back at me like, well, fairness means everyone gets the same thing. And then I would have come back at them like, you know, well, you know, what about all the other contexts that you're leaving out here? How much do people need? How much can people handle? How much do people deserve? Like, is there more, you know, if we merely give equal amounts of food to everybody uh, and we give the same amount to a three-month-old baby as to all the adults in the house, is that fair? Wouldn't the adults eventually starve and die? Well, everyone mm-hmm. got the same amount, you know, mm-hmm. but they never even got to everyone gets the same thing. They just immediately jumped to, I don't care. Give me my, like, they just, <laughs> they are not going to engage with that concept. Like, I cannot tickle the intellectual center of the brain. They're like, you know what? What is fairness? I keep saying that something's not fair. What does that even mean? Nope. They are not interested yet, but they will be when they do. They're in big trouble.